grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and grandpa we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Or whatever it is. Christmas Eve. Why does he say ho, 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 by the way? Why does Santa Claus laugh like that? It doesn't... No one laughs that way. Ho, ho, ho. Nobody laughs that way. Let me, let me, do, let me try to do the actual acting it out. Say something funny. This guy kicking the balls. Ho, 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 ho. Merry, why would he laugh before he says Merry Christmas? First of all, fat people, if you're going to say that's why fat people are jolly, they're really not that jolly, except when they're eating. And then right before they eat, they're super unjolly. Have you ever hung out with a fat person when he's like, hey, what are we going to go eat already? They're, they're not, they're very upset. Uh, so I don't buy that he laughs like that. It's creepy and weird. Um, but anyway, Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Welcome to the Christmas episode. It's got nothing to do with Christmas, but uh, it is Christmas, 2012. Um, Merry whatever you guys celebrate. This is the first year I don't give a shit about Christmas. I mean, in a negative way. I used to like fight against it and be like, ah, it's not my it's a Jew holiday that we don't celebrate this and Hanukkah doesn't mean anything. So we don't have anything, but now I'm just like, who cares? It's a nice thing. There's pretty lights. It's just a religion that's got nothing to do with me or reality. So I'm more than happy to celebrate a little bit. The pretty lights festival. Um, so welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank, episode 93. Um, on today's episode, I have uh, two guys from Broken Lizard. If you guys don't know what Broken Lizard is, they're, they're a sketch group. I don't know what you call them. They're a movie group. It's kind of like a sketch group that does movies, but I don't think they ever did sketch comedy together. Um, I have two guys, Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lemmy, um, uh, who are uh, starting stand-up. They just started stand-up, like, way, way into their careers, in their late 30s or early 40s, whatever they are. Um, So I just think it's interesting when guys start like that. Well, one, I wanted to interview, like, a newbie stand-up in general anyway, and then these guys have such a unique way about it because they're already sort of like celebrities. If you haven't seen, um, they have a bunch of movies, Beer Fest, Club Dread, um, The Slammin' Salmon. And then, but my favorite, uh, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen is Super Troopers. If you haven't seen it, it's just a fun, it's one of those movies that you just, you saw on DVD. Like nobody knew about it when it came out and then everybody saw it. So go get it. However you get stuff, go get it and watch it. It's fun. Watch it with some dude friends. Girls might not be into it. It's uh, it's uh, silly humor. But uh, it's fun. It's funny. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's the whole episode. I'm going to split it into two because this was the longest episode I've ever done. Uh, we just kept going and going and going to the point where um, the track on my Zoom uh started over it started a new track i've never had that before uh is that simone no it's not I'm still sitting in a fucking car waiting for him to come home from goddamn church who goes to church who goes to fucking church so stupid <sighs> anyway uh so he's at church so i'm sitting here in my car editing and recording this intro so um here's the deal let me just make a few announcements one i'm getting ready for my special 
it's in uh, five, at the end of the week. At the end of the week. And um, listen to my voice. It sounds really good, right? It's at the end of the week in the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. I think we're releasing tickets the day of the show. Um, so come down. It's sold out, but come down anyway and, and party. And they're going to open up more room for people. Um, uh, so let me just tell you some dates really quick for the rest of the year. And this will... Uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to start all my new material, but not the first part. Um, so New Year's Eve, I'm in I'm in San Francisco at this uh, the Knob Hill Auditorium, Knob Hill Knob Hill Masonic Center, something like that. Um, it's a big New Year's show. I'm only doing like 15 minutes, but it's a really good show. Me and Jeselnik and Schumer and Doug Benson, Arch Barker, and um, and uh, Brendan Walsh from the Bone Zone. Oh, I should say that too. I am on a comedy, it's not a network, we're calling it a comedy, I'm calling it a comedy co-op. Uh, it's called All Things Comedy. There's a website, it's allthingscomedy.com. It's just me and a bunch of cool, uh, funny comedy podcasts all sort of joining up together. And we just added a, the newest one, which is the Champs Podcast, which is Moshe Kasher and DJ Doug Pound and Neil Brennan. I've had Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher on this podcast, so they have their own uh, called the champs in which they only interview black people. <laughs> it's, it's a good idea. They painted themselves into a corner, but, um, they only interview black people. And so that's their podcast. So it's now it's on the all things comedy. You can check them out on iTunes, uh, at, at uh, the champs podcast. I don't know. Um, but go get them. They have, they interviewed Blake Griffin, which who I want to for punch drunk for my sports podcast, but we'll never get him. Um, anyway, you guys, so I've got that and then I've got, um, I've got the comic strip in Edmonton, uh, January 16th through the 20th, um, Chicago on January 25th with Joe Rogan. Um, you can find all the tickets to these on my website, by the way, com. and then Milwaukee on January 26th. I've got to miss the UFC. I'm driving from Chicago to Milwaukee in January. Hopefully it's not snowing too much or maybe I'll drive over the lake. Does the lake freeze over? Can I drive over it? Sounds like a disaster waiting to happen, but I'll try it. Um, the 26th, I'll be in Milwaukee at the uh, Miramar Theater, I think. It's on my website. Go there, alreadythegreat.com. Um, and then January 29th, we're doing a Punch Drunk live show in La Jolla, California, San Diego. Come on out. Um, it's going to be madness, so come out. It's a Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to have Bag of Betzes and a whole bunch of fun stuff. If you guys haven't checked out my sports podcast, it's all the serious stuff I do on this. Um, I leave behind, and we all just get silly about like twenty five percent sports and seventy five percent like degeneracy. Um, and then in February, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, at Charlie Goodnight's, the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Um, calendars. My next storyteller show is February twenty sixth at the Improv. By the way, the last storyteller show was epic. It was so fucking good. It was so fucking good. Oh, my God. You guys should have been there. First of all, it was really packed. Everybody who came, you got a great show, but thank you for coming. It was so good. Sean Patton was great. Kanae, everybody. Diaz. Uh, the first Storyteller show uh, should be up on iTunes January 1st. I decided to do that so that I can be, I don't know why, but for the first time I decided to care about rankings, and I figured if I release my, that um, at the beginning of the year, then we'll be at the top of the iTunes charts for the year for a while, right? Some way more people will see it. Uh, and then I'm in Long Island at Governor's, March 1st and 2nd. And then I think that's all I have. Oh, in Vancouver, uh, March 21st, 22nd, 23rd at the Comedy Mix. All right, that's all I've got for now. 
Oh, yeah, I'll be at Moon Tower definitely in Austin in April and probably Bridgetown in Portland in April. Uh, anyway, all right, let's start the episode. So this is really cool. Yeah, I told you I split it into two. Um, it was a fun episode. We talked about starting stand-up and a bunch of stuff about that, but then we also talked about um, uh, Broken Lizard and what they do and just, I don't know. what. Then I got, of course, Steve just has a, had a baby. Um, so, of course, we talked about that because that's so fucking frightening to me. So, uh, oh, my sponsors. Fuck shit. Uh, let's do Gamefly.com. If you guys don't do Gamefly.com, please help me out. It's just, all you got to do is sign up for a two-week free trial. They pay me so much fucking money. Go to the two-week free trial. Gamefly.com slash Ari. And sign up for a two, it's free for two weeks. And then you can cancel after 12 days. They don't give a fuck. I always say that uh, I don't give a fuck, and they don't either. Um, keep it if you want. It's a cool service. If you play video games, you should definitely be on it. It's, it's, it's way cheaper than, than buying video games and using them until they're done and then having to return them for $7. Um, those Gamefly commercials, actually, if anybody from Gamefly is listening, those are pretty, those are pretty good. You pretty much captured the, uh, the level of despair we get when trading in a game and getting fucking barely anything for it. By the way, if you've ever wanted to trade your CDs back to a uh, record store, you're six years too late, but go ahead and do it. If you ever want to trade your DVDs back, don't bother. They're shockingly low, the amount they give you. Um... So yeah, go to gayfly.com slash Ari, and I got 50, like, give me the like, 15 bucks. It helps so much. If like 30 of you do it, that would be so much money. That would be a nice Christmas present for me. I didn't get any Hanukkah presents this year. First year. I was really happy about it. Just ignore the holiday completely. It's pretty stoked. Um, anyway, all right, so here we go. Uh, you can also go to Amazon. Don't forget Amazon. Uh, com shop through my link at artythegreat.com and go to proflowers.com go through my link for proflowers and i get like cash back too um those are the ways to help the podcast so i appreciate it for those of you already done it already did all your holiday shopping on amazon thank you very much that shit adds up and it allowed me to buy more memory for this computer so i can make it go faster and where the fuck is steve simone sitting in a goddamn car people are looking at me all right so anyway here we go with Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank. Oh, and by the way, uh, my, the, my special will be out on chill.com for $5 in late January or early February. We're going to edit it really quickly. So that's why I got to get the storyteller show up by January 1st. <laughs> so I don't um, compete with that. Uh, it's going to be $5 the same way Louis C.K. and Rogan are doing it on their website and Bill Burr. By the way, Bill Burr's special is still out on his site, billburr.com, for $5. You should get it. Oh, and a little... Um, plug i guess for nothing to do with anything uh i just heard that tig notaro has a cd called tig notaro live and it's just her doing a it's available on louis ck's website but it's just her doing a uh a set at largo an, an in-town set an la set and um she had she had just gotten diagnosed with cancer earlier that day and it's just it's one of those cool things you don't normally get to see an la set like recorded they just sort of, you get to fuck around and do what you want and talk about what you want. And in terms of those kinds of sets, that's when you can have like epic, really interesting sets. You're not stuck to having to do a certain amount of time and you're not stuck with having to do any specific material. So you can just do whatever you want. And she just unloaded and it was a great fucking set. So they're selling it on Louis's um, site for $5. I, I listened to it and uh, it was really great. <laughs> I totally teared up in the middle. Um, I mean, full tears were rolling down my face. So... If you're looking for something to get um, this week, go get that. All right, so here we go. Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank, episode 93. 
Noobs with Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lemmy. Yeah, midway talking about jerking off. That's, this. that's my, you know, that's my, my forte. Is my, our first live show, my whole routine was about whacking off. In fact, you actually came and saw us in Montreal. Yeah. And came up to me afterwards and you were like, good, good jerk off story. Good masturbation <laughs> yeah. story. I was like, thanks. Is that when you guys started doing stand up? Yeah, that was probably like the third time in our lives that he and I had ever done stand up. When it? In Montreal? Or? Yeah, yeah we a had, few years ago. We did two shows at the IO. Those were our first two shows. Then we did uh, Burlington. That was our third time. So Montreal was our fourth. Well, well that's the Broken Lizard Montreal show. Yeah. yeah. That's but you did stand up on that show, though. Yeah. yeah. You broke it up from sketch, and then one, yeah. I guess when you guys were changing. Like 10 minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. literally our fourth time on stage doing stand-up comedy. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's funny, because like, uh, like people have asked me, like, wasn't that terrifying? Because there were, like, I don't know, 1,000 people, 1,100 people. Yeah. But I've actually found stand-up to be easier for a ton of people. Like, in a room, the more people there are, the easier it is for me. If it's, like, 30 oh, yeah. people, I find it much harder. You think the same thing? Um, well, you have to connect a lot less I when there's so, so many people. Yeah. You, yeah. To me, it's, it doesn't matter how many people there are. It just matters how comfortable I am with the material. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's... Like, I, co- I don't care how many people are there, but if I don't know what I'm doing, then it, then it bugs yeah. me. Yeah. I would get nervous in front of big crowds, though, in front of massive crowds. You guys played at Metropolis, that show. That was pretty big, yeah. massive. It was big, yeah. yeah. Um, that makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, i got to do a good job right now. Yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, that, that doesn't bother me. It's like it's being in a room and being able to see everybody's face. Also, yeah. a room that's not full makes me more nervous. Well, it's easier, it's easier to bomb in a smaller room, I think, too. It's easier, like, too. Yeah, like a big crowded room, someone's going to be laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... If you're in a thousand seat theater, the laughter will get rolling. But like with eighteen people, I know the com- I work out at the comedy store a lot. Yeah. And like with eighteen people at one in the morning, the line's a lot lower. If you get a couple chuckles, you're like, <laughs> you're "That psyched. was awesome." Yeah. <laughs> killed. I yeah. Killed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd rather I would rather play for. I mean, because there's, I'd rather be in a room uh, of one hundred people that's full than a room that fits four hundred and there are only two hundred. Oh yeah, in there. it's way better that way. Yeah. How long have you been doing stand-up? 13 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I graduated college. I didn't want to do anything. We're babies compared to you. So how do you like it so far? It's great. I yeah. love it. It's awesome. So the two yeah. of you after those shows just said, fuck it, let's keep trying to do this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we just uh, we did that Broken Lizard tour for like six months, maybe eight months. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then we decided, let's keep going. Because our agent was like, you know, what do you guys want to do next? Yeah. And some guys wanted to travel some didn't some you know and we said let's do it so we just decided to keep going it takes a lot of work though right yeah yeah i mean it's it's interesting because it's like there's there's um there's an irony to it which is that you know for me the most thrilling part about stand-up comedy is that first time you try out a joke yeah and you get a, a huge laugh and it can also you can also bomb and that's just as powerful in its own way but like the nerves i have before trying out new material are by far the greatest I have like really when I'm doing a, a set that I know I'm not nervous before I go on stage. Yeah. When I'm trying out new material, I've def- definitely got the butterflies. 
And so it's interesting to me that, you know, as a comedian, you are, what you're working for is your 45 minutes or your hour or 75 minutes of material that you know kills so that you can film a special or go out and, yeah. and headline. And yet that ultimately is, you're taking away from the maximum enjoyment you can have. Of, of doing new stuff. Of doing new stuff. Yeah. I'm recording in like a month, depending on when this comes out, but like, or less. But like now I'm like, oh, I have new jokes I want to try. But you're like, don't, don't. Just try to do the old jokes and make sure they're still <laughs> like great. sharp. Yeah. 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 But it gets kind of boring then. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of saying we're going to do, we're going to start just doing all new stuff starting in January. Right. And yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I'm psyched. That's what I did after my album. I was yeah. like, let's try to junk it. Yeah. I got after your, after your show in, I was there with Louis CK. Yeah. And then we got into a discussion. We had to go from your show to the, to the nasty show. Mm-hmm. And so I started talking to him about like writing a new hour and stuff, and he just broke down how he does it. Right. Um, how does he do it? He junks everything he's done. Okay, and just writes all new material? Yeah, and the way he justified he said, he's like, if you couldn't do your stand-up for some reason, like your material, you weren't allowed. He's like, you wouldn't stop being a stand-up. You would just have to come up with new stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. people don't just because they have their old stuff. That's, I think that's the problem. Is it does become a crutch. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, I'll just work in a few new minutes here with the old stuff. Yeah, and then you barely do. Yeah. But it's like, for instance, we've shot our special. We're going to be in San Diego this weekend. Yeah. And we have a bunch of friends coming down because it's so close. Yeah, and you want to do well. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> well, trying out new yeah. material. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to fucking kill it. <laughs> there's also Good certain stuff. shows. After, after I did it, I was like, let me junk this. But if I'm like, if there's some big person I need to like have them see me do well, yeah. then yeah. I'll be like, use your head. Break out the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> do well. It's not, the, it's not the time. Yeah. But then it's hard because it's like, you are going on the road, you know, like mm-hmm. you have your whole tour set and it's like you're going in front of people who have paid to see you do a good job. So I guess you, I guess you have to find additional venues to try out new material. Is that what yeah, you do? Do you guys work out anywhere? Uh, uh, you know, once or twice a week with the trainer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Look fuck out. yeah. What's Look up? Out. Here we go. Do you, do you get up anywhere just like non you can use that one no I mean I haven't done it you've done try it try to work it in somewhere yeah I've done it I've done it, I've done it uh, at the improv okay um, I've seen your name on lineups there before yeah. no I, I do the what you're talking about like I like low pressure for new material stuff I've just like we take our you know we do our regular show and if I do half an hour I'll do like you know five to eight minutes new of stuff. new stuff within the half an hour until I can build. Until it gets better. Yeah. yeah. There, there's another little problem, and it's, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing, but you know, because we also come from the film world. Yeah. You know, it's like, like Kevin and I, for instance, we have a, a TV show in development at ABC. Um, okay. And so, unfortunately, we're not able to dedicate as much time as we should yeah. to writing new material. And that's, that, to me, I find it is, is a problem. Because like, there are days where I, I, like, I really want, I'm dying to write new material, and yet, you know, right right now we have two weeks to hand in this first draft of a script to, to ABC, and so it's just you know it, you can't. It, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what Louis said too. He said he had an he had they were waiting to air his special or something, and his HBO show. They were deciding. Oh, that's what it was. They were deciding whether or not it was going to get picked up, but they were seeing when it was going to air, so he didn't know. So he had like eight months before he could figure out whether or not it's going to renew it or not. It wasn't Louis that's on FX. Okay. It was his old show oh, on, old on HBO. Yeah. yeah, Lucky Louis. And so he said, let me just write a new hour. And he asked them, was like, can you air a special for me? And they said yes. So he just put all his time into that. But I think now that he's like writing like Louis, the show, yeah. he doesn't have as much time. Yeah. It's the same thing. You've got to set priorities. Yeah. If you've got nothing else going on, you can write an hour or yeah. whatever. I mean, that's, yeah. just, that's a success problem. Yeah, it's white people he's, problems. He's, he's okay. Yeah. Well, that's why he postponed 
the new season of a show so that he could do So he could do stand up? Really? So. I think I read that, yeah. That's great. That makes sense to me. That's a guy also who can get up anywhere he wants whenever he wants. Sure. Yeah. 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 I you know, I always liked that though. Like uh you know, there were th- those times when I was going up at the improv. Yeah. I I liked how frequently big comedians would come by and just pop in. Pop in. Yeah. And uh you know, like I was I was there one time and Dane Cook just walked in. And, uh, you know, I was the last guy to go up in, in front of him. And he did, like, I don't know, like 45 minutes or something. Yeah. Oh, wow. 45 minutes, huh? Yeah, just new stuff. New stuff that he was trying to work out. That's at. important, too, because like, guys like Dan Cook are so big, they can't get an audience that doesn't know them and revere them already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, like, hopefully if he pops in, there'll be a few people there that don't know who he is or don't care. Yeah. And they're just going to listen to his jokes, honestly. Well, that, that was the nice thing. Like, when we first, when we did those first shows... You know the Montreal Comedy Festival. You got a shitload of fans there. Yeah, a ton. And and you know that's the thing. It's like we go on the road and we are performing in front of people who have paid to see us. And we've only been doing stand up comedy for three years. That is not you know that's not the norm. Right. You know most comedians you have to learn to first you have to make learn how to make people like you that don't know who you are or aren't paying to see you. Uh huh. And so like you know you guys bypass that. We did, but cheated. Okay, but I think it's detrimental. Put it. I think it's detrimental. It might be because you know, like, uh, I mean, you don't get, you know, like I got into it with a heckler in New Jersey one night. Yeah, and uh, it was my first real heckler experience because <laughs> yeah. our hecklers are all positive. Yeah, they just yell like quotes from the movies and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I noticed after the Montreal one. Yeah, yeah. But go away, go ahead. No, no, but it's like I started doing a thing, and a woman. I was doing a thing about like uh, engagement night sex and how beautiful it can be. It's a fucking joke anyway. Uh-huh. But she's like bullshit. And I was like, bullshit, what happened to you on your engagement night? And she's like, fuck you, or something like that. And it's like, we got... let it go. Yeah, and she was there with a cop, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Who was just like, he didn't know... Yeah, yeah, he didn't... He was not into the argument that we were having. But law enforcement officials can't, like, do anything about their stupid women (laughs) being morons when they've had too much to drink. Yeah, you're a fucking cop. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, you know, like, something like that. We are not equipped to handle really the everyday rigors of, of stand-up comedy yeah, because we just haven't had that kind of adversity. Yeah, I grew up at the comedy store, so it was like, yeah, one fifteen spots every night. Just like, deal with it. Yeah. Do, the door guys are all outside drinking or smoking pot, so right. no one's going to do anything for you. Right. Yeah, and after 10 years of that, you just learn how to deal with it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is sort of a detriment. Yeah. And the, the other thing we're is... Le- we're learning slowly. It's also like dealing with material that doesn't work. You know, like, how to like, how to like work it when it doesn't work. Like how to like keep it going. What well, do you mean? I mean, there's, there's. I remember that was the first thing. Like, uh, okay, well, first of all, like, like when we, you know, go out and try new material, our audiences because it's like a wedding toast almost because they want to, they want you to do well, so they're giving it to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you don't necessarily get a, a, a truthful uh, assessment of whether or not that material is any. Yeah. Because they they just they want to laugh. That's why those guys pop into the improv in the, in the store and stuff. Yeah, like this will be closer. Yeah, to like a real response. Well, that was and that was what Burko, our agent Burko, had said to me when you know I said, "Oh, I love this. You know, I want to do this more." And he said, "I think you should go up and do some gigs in front of an audience that doesn't know who you are." Oh wow, he said that. Yeah, and so that's good. I went up at the improv. The first show he put me up in front of was a teen tour. <laughs> oh, I love those shows. It's like six o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? It was like six p.m. on a fucking Tuesday. Everyone's drinking soda. They're all like fourteen. Eating 15. ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, and it's like, and I was doing that r- masturbation routine. Yeah. 
Now, the, 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 real, the key to that routine is that it's got to be done in front of people who understand that we all masturbate. Yeah, that's the thing. With those it's kids, cool they don't admit. get it. Yeah. No. It's cool to admit it now. They don't fuck, I didn't get I bombed. They it didn't know that. 15 minutes. I don't much, but... Of, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely not going to admit yeah. it. Yeah. And the girl's looking at you like, you're so gross. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, literally, the girls, like, they can't hide their emotions. Like, snarled lips like I was the fucking devil up there right. on stage talking about whacking off. Yeah. And like the boys, were, you know, like they haven't even admitted to each other, you know. But after, but the next day, I, I thanked Berkowitz. I was like, "Hey, man, that was actually a fucking fantastic experience." Right. That's what Chris Rock did when he worked out his first and second specials. He went to like old age homes. Oh, really? And like places that did not want him there. And he's like, "I want to make this work everywhere. This material, because right. you can just alter it slightly, yeah. you know." Yeah. Yeah. Brad. Yeah. Yeah. So he would learn how to make it so that everybody could laugh at it. Yeah. Um, those teen tours, I love. I get extra dirty. <laughs> I'm just like I'm not gonna clean it up. And like that's fine. I get extra dirty, but sometimes I remember doing a joke about fucking in the shower and how <laughs> okay. difficult it was. Right. But they were just like, maybe they've had sex, but they certainly don't know about weird positions and sure. stuff. They, they never had sex standing up or no. in a body of water, <laughs> much less combining the two. I love asking who's lost their virginity on that trip. That's hilarious. <laughs> and everyone turns to one girl or boy. And they so all awesome. just look because everybody knows the rumors. That's so. See, that's okay. But that's now what I'm talking about. Like we, I have one under my belt. He's got none. You've right. got a million of them. Like yeah. you know the questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. You sort of just get experience after a while. Yeah. But you guys have this thing where my friend Kevin Christie started, and he had like started in in in, in TV, and then started stand up. But he was way more comfortable on stage, just because he's been used to people watching him and like cameras on him yeah mm-hmm. no I, I think we definitely come you know we definitely have our experience in yeah. another kind of field or whatever but it's definitely a different muscle though. I mean even that Montreal show were you guys super nervous before that oh yeah I mean, that were. show was like we, that was the first time we put the show up the show was like two hours long it had crap in there that we cut like the next day you know it was like did you this is not a loaded question were you there for the very beginning of the show with the the choreographed uh, the dance, yeah, the dance. yeah. I, you know that makes me so happy that you've seen it because because somehow as idiotic as it seems we didn't film it. What? Well, like no, they wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let the us. Dancers, the dancers yeah. were all like working like non-union and they got all f- skittish. Oh really? Yeah, but we didn't know that. Yeah, we didn't know that until after. They're like, you can't film us. Yeah. Yeah, because like one girl was supposed to shoot it, and then didn't because like the, a dancer got very upset. But like. Yeah, that was uh, we put a lot of pomp and that was. Yeah, who'd you have design that? Someone from yeah, like, we have a buddy of ours who's a choreographer. Like he does Cirque du Soleil stuff. He does Cirque du Soleil, does Las Vegas stuff. Yeah, yeah well, and yeah, he was doing he was uh, he was doing Cirque du Soleil up there in Montreal. That was like their their rehearsal their training ground. Yeah, yeah, which we went to, which was pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah, that's how a lot of com- uh, Canadian comics come to America. They get the Cirque du Soleil. Visas, they have extra ones, and they buy them off them. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But this was pretty amazing. It was like it was like a compound, and it was like in one. It's like an Olympic training compound. Yeah. With yeah. rings and stuff everywhere. Yeah, but more like you know, like f- like tricked out, like trampoline things, and there was like oh, wow. a dance studio. There was like a thing. It was like trampoline and like wall, like bouncy walls, and dudes are like jumping and like running up the walls, and like you know, and they're wiping out and stuff. But then there's like a. Another room with like they were doing like the Elvis. Yeah, they're they're launching the Elvis show. Yeah, that's Elvis. That's their choreographing. Search Slay is doing an Elvis theme show. I think they did it. They did it. Yeah, it happened like a couple years ago. What What would that be? What do you mean? How are they acrobatics? It's Elvis music. It's Elvis music, and then they're like jumping around on trampolines, dancing. 
like coming out dressed like Elvis. Oh, like old cars they bring out on the stage, you know, that kind of stuff. Like there was oh. some. I remember there was some. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It I was. I don't know if you'd like it. But, yeah. I, I might not, but it might be really cool. I like when they hold their bodies out like sideways, like a flag. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, it's, so I mean, that's all good to get high and go to. That's what they were doing. <laughs> it's like the guys. There was something they did that had to do with like World War Two or what was the what was the no what was the war that Elvis served in? Uh, Korean War. Korean. No. Okay, so know. it was like. Korea, Vietnam, Korea. When was Elvis? The sixties, the fifties, fifties. So Korea. I mean, started in the fifties. Okay. Well, he just well he went into the service, but like they yeah. had a thing where all the women would jump into the men's arms, and the men would like hold them like machine guns, <laughs> and like fire them, you know. But you know, but it looked cool. It looked like they were doing that. It looked like they were dancing. You know, it was a cool choreography you guys had. It was fun. It was fun to get those those hot chicks to come and dance. Yeah. Show. They would carry you like through the like somebody would, like leaped on someone else's shoulders and yeah. stuff. Uh, I'm yeah. sort of half remembering this. I think thing. that was me. Like I got lifted up. Yeah, I think so. It certainly was me. Yeah, I got lifted up into the air. I did cartwheels. I did cartwheels to enter the thing. Oh, okay, and then like landed and got lifted up. Yeah, I, I just walked in with a, like a beer and like drank it. Yeah, that was my whole entrance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But well, yeah, that, I mean, that was a that was a two hour show, and there were a lot of sketches. I didn't even think yeah. we knew to be nervous in the sense like we'd never been to the, the Just for Last festival before. Oh, so you didn't know what it was? Didn't know really what it was. But I mean, and like once we got there, we were like, holy shit, you know, like every comedian is there yeah. like, from big to small. And, it's cool know, there. It's amazing. It's awesome. You guys were there this year too, right? We were there two, we went last, not last year, but the, the year previous before. year. Yeah. yeah so I saw you guys there once and I was super high. Well, we, well, we met at the first one. Uh huh. Yeah. And then. You had a mustache then, right? Oh yeah, I was wearing a mustache. Yeah, it was sweet. I was wearing a mustache. I was really disappointed you let it go. Well, you know, it's like the mustache alone is not the best look. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not. I mean, some people like Tom Selleck. You can do it, man. You can do it. I don't know. You can work. You it. had a pretty full one. It was pretty full, but like, okay, Sam Elliott, for instance. Yeah. Everyone loves Sam Elliott. I met solid mustache. I met Sam Elliott when he didn't have his mustache, and I saw like from his the bottom of his nose to the top of his lip was literally about two and a half inches of space. Prime. A lot of real estate. A lot of real estate. Prime mustache real estate. Right. Okay, see, I don't... That's uh, why that mustache is so goddamn good. He's, he was given a gift. Yeah, he has space to make it big. Gut. Yeah. But I can't... You know, my, I have like a narrower thing, and it's like... You know, it's... Just, it's because you're Puerto Rican. It's because I'm Puerto Rican. You have a little Puerto Rican mustache. Yeah. Little, Are you Puerto Rican? I'm part Puerto Rican, yeah. Oh, Nice. What you? Oh, you like that? No, I was wondering why your <laughs> why your kid's name was Latino. Carlos. Yeah. Uh, that's a, my dad is from Argentina, and uh, his name is Carlos. My oh. middle my middle name is Carlos too. I played on the Argentinian um, uh, Jewish volleyball um, team in the Pan Israel games. Really? They didn't show up, so they asked a bunch of us just to play for Argentina. <laughs> we practiced for like a week. And did you get like a special like jersey? Or yeah, we got these Argentina jerseys, but they pronounce it Argentina there. Right. And everybody started chanting for us. Right. <laughs> They're like Argentina every time we get one point, which is like all we got most games. But how how many guys were from Argentina and how many guys were from? Oh, the- none of them showed up. Oh, so, so we, we just it was played a whole, as totally, yeah, it was okay. a bunch of Americans in in Israel in just Israel. playing as the Argentinian. Now, okay, because you were on. Uh, you're a very good volleyball player or you were as tall and they said I hey. played in high school so they asked us to like get some people together there was somebody else who was on my high school team there and did you play you played against teams that were really good yeah and they crushed us okay it seems like real coaches <laughs> we just did it ourselves like Brazil yeah I'm sure they were good I you know it's, it's funny because I don't know you know like 
Okay, my friend, my my friend Andy Bellin, the yeah. one who watched me masturbate. Your BFF. He uh, he played volleyball at Vassar College. And Isn't one, that an all-girls school? It used to be. Oh. It used to be. It went co-ed. Did they become co-ed because Ballin was going there and they wanted his volleyball skills so bad? Exactly. <laughs> they yeah. were going to integrate the school. He's, he's that good. No, he's, he, you know, he's, he's my height. Yeah. And their team is obviously terrible. Okay. But one time they played against Yeshiva. Yeshiva University. I went there for a year. You did? Uh-huh. Okay, but like... They didn't have a volleyball team then. They had a men, Well, now they had a men's volleyball team. Wait, but this is before your time because I'm older than you. Yeah. So they must have stopped the program. Yeah, Maybe. But and and I have a theory as to why the, the problem in this game that I was watching was it was the yamaka, and a lot of times the the kids were like going for the ball and the yamaka would start to fly off their head and they would go to put it on they would they would go to stop it from falling off their head and the ball would land that's instinctively it's all these heavy winds come and blow them off our sheep's head yeah well it's like they, they'd like run for so the ball and it would flap they were up just and used stop to like it. having to stop it yeah and I felt I felt bad like and they got killed. We used to fling him uh, like towards the bench in uh, like frisbee style in basketball. Right. It fell off. We could like fling it until a timeout and then go get it again. It's awesome. <laughs> I played a Jewish guy in beer fest. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't even know. It's not. If, I guess you could say to me, I played a Puerto Rican guy in something, and I and it would, I wouldn't be offended. So I, tell me if I'm offending. No, it's not it. offensive at all. I hate okay. Jews. It's okay. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Finkelstein. He was Finkelstein. Yeah, Finkelstein. Finkelstein in beer fest. How yeah. much fun do you guys have doing those movies? Oh, it's great. I mean, that's like, a, like you know, he did this silly stuff. You know. My parents went to Amsterdam and all that brought me was this crappy yarmulke. That's nice. Was this what you wore in the movie? That's that why we're in the last he scene. He had several different ones depending on what the scene was. Like This was a, made in Israel. <laughs> that's awesome. It cost six fifty, either shekels or, or dollars. I don't know. Wait, did <laughs> I leave? Really is the price tag still in there? Yeah. It's lasted for a long time. Beer Fest was a long time ago. It was 2006, I think. Yeah. You had a USA one. You had like a, one that looked like a basketball. I have right? the, you have the USA one? Here's the USA one. I remember that now. There's the USA one. <laughs> yeah, then, that's all we did was we got um, special stuff for our yarmulkes to make them look nice. Yeah, and then that there is the eye of the Jew. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, it's, yeah. it's my contact lens that... It's like the Star of David. Oh, wow. It appears in my eyeball when, when somebody made an anti-Semitic comment at me. <laughs> to get you angry? Yeah. To get me angry. I would like. When the Germans made anti-Semitic comments. Yeah. Do you like, guys, how do you guys deal with fans that are fans of like the movies when you're trying to do stand-up? Uh, it's not bad. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, what are you saying before? It's, those are the hecklers that we get? Like, yeah. usually a heckler is, you, you suck, or whatever it is. Yeah. Ours are like, you know, they'll yell out lines for your movie. So it's kind of like, it interrupts you. But it's not dickish, and they're yeah. They're, it's like a friendly heckle. Yeah, those are yeah. hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, you just kind of like say the line back, and everyone cheers, or you say another line, everyone cheers. You know, and then you but then it gets up. out of hand after a while, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, you have to you have to try and keep it under control. the The problem is that you know our crowd because of the movie you get a lot of drunks tend to be yeah. a lot of drunks. Yeah, and uh, you know to the point where like we've we've been told by. Like wait staff by management, they're like your crowd drinks a lot of fucking booze. <laughs> they're probably drinking to like show their support too. Oh yeah, like we're gonna get drunk and go watch Lemmy and Heffernan. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like well, for instance, we saw like the Paps Theater in Milwaukee. Yeah, before the show started, they came downstairs and they said, "You guys have done something that's never happened in the history of the Paps Theater." You sold us out of PBR. Wow. Yeah. Before the show started. Before the show started, which yeah. is pretty impressive. Yeah. For that, but so that's the problem is that our, our people tend to be so drunk. Certainly in the late shows, and certainly in the second half of the shows, that like sometimes when they start shouting those things out, they don't stop. Yeah, 
and you know, and they're like we've had we had a woman climb up on stage one time and give yeah. us shot. Like she kept bringing shots on stage. I don't think we ever kicked anyone out or anything. For that. Yeah, how do you say enough in like a nice way? Yeah, um, I remember asking Jay after that Montreal show. I was like, "What do you do with all these people screaming shit out?" He goes, "That's just our fans." Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's like as a comedian, your problems could be a lot worse. Oh yeah, you know when it's all positive like that. You know, you can a lot of times you'll just go, you'll just keep talking over it. But if somebody keeps going, you know, you just make fun of them like you would a heckler, and then because it's a good vibe, everyone laughs. And, right, you know, right, right. It's fine. Yeah, there's a friendly way to do it. That was one thing I learned from the comedy store, like working there and starting there, is seeing a bunch of like top shelf comedians deal with hecklers in different ways. Like Paul Mooney, he would always do this thing where he would decide like instantly if they were friendly or not friendly, and then like either incorporate them or put them down. Mm-hmm. Or just disagree. Like he he'd make it so they wouldn't feel bad. Right. A lot of times, unless they really like were antagonistic. Yeah, I think we're still like we had the funny moment like uh, when we were in Nashville. We were at Zany's in Nashville, remember? Uh-huh. And it was like early in our experience, and you were, you decided to embrace the philosophy <laughs> of if someone says anything, you you go nuclear, like you just fucking nail them and yeah. then shut it down. And so like somebody yelled out something completely benign, like, we love you, or something. And, like, Lemmy was like, me like, your mother sucks cocks, you fucker! <laughs> and, and we were all like, holy shit. You and have like, to learn the line, it's and, so hard. Yeah, and he was like, he decided he was going to go at, whoever came at him, he's like, lay down the law, I'm going at you. And yeah. some guy who did not really go at him, and then he just fucking I, went at I him. would like to, I'm going to lodge. I've seen that a thousand times I, with different people. I'm lodging a protest. Okay. I'm, I'm lodging right. a protest right That's now. That's a true story, though, Lemmy. It's a true story, but he's telling the version as they speculated how it went backstage. Like, he was backstage with the guys. They didn't hear what the guy said to yes, me. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> there, no. Was nothing, uh, there was nothing but here, mean, mean or about it. No. by that guy. But my side of the story was that what I heard because I was talking about masturbation, right? was that it was something like, you know, like, like how'd you find that out? Or something like, it was talking about like a dick. Like, mm-hmm. how'd you find that out? And I was like, because I fucked your mother last night. <laughs> like, that was the line I gave. <laughs> and then when I went backstage, they were like, it seemed like you just had that line ready to go. <laughs> no matter what happened. Yeah, it didn't yeah. matter what no anybody what said. said. Where's the bathroom? Because yeah. I fucked your mother yeah, last night. Because your mother sucks big fucking cocks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's what I said. It's like, we're learning. It's a learning curve. Yeah. How is it? What's like... Well, I have some questions about it, actually. Well, first of all, have you, what's your masturbation thing? My masturbation theory? <laughs> yeah, when you're, like, young. Um, God, I don't know what my masturbation thing was. We used to have... Uh, uh, I don't, do you guys... Those old cable boxes that you could, like... Uh, Six seconds? Sit, no, it was like uh, you could... Uh, you can kind of get the channels that you weren't allowed to get. You could kind of fuck with it. And oh, get well, if you like, to come in. if you held the button down like yeah, halfway, yeah, that. So I remember it comes in. It came in for like four or five seconds, and then go back to blue. Yeah, or like, you could like, hear fuzzy. Yeah. You would do. Yeah, and I used to do that with the Playboy channel. Just watch it and listen, yeah. or not watch, watch it, it and listen. You could listen for when the sex starts, and then try to hold it in. You know, try to get it coming. I actually, I feel bad for kids today. Like, because too, too out there. Well, too yeah, easy. Back then, there was something like. 
When you got your hands on some porn, mm-hmm. Sports it, Illustrated swimsuit issue, anything, yeah, anything, <laughs> that was a big one. It, for it a was while. tremendous. Yeah. I mean, it's like think of like the stolen moments. Like a girl leaned over and she wasn't wearing a bra, and you saw a little corner of nipple. Like yeah. that was masturbation yeah. time. Uh-huh. We used to get like the you know like a New York Post, and they'd have like a bikini girl every once in a while like, mm-hmm. in the pit, you know. And you're like, holy yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Like if they now. had a, if they had a catalog for anything, Sears or otherwise, yeah. Victoria's but if, Secret. If there was a a bra that was like sheer, yeah. Just so you can make out nipple, right? Right. Yeah, that was enough. Well, that and by the way, that's also a sign of the times because, like, back when we were growing up, <clears throat> those Victoria's Secret catalogs and other ones, yeah. like, they included the bush that you could see through it and the nipple. They had like for a while they didn't airbrush yet. Oh yeah. And so you'd be like, uh huh. It's like legal <laughs> porn is coming here. Whatever you could get your hands on. But now it's so it's so out there. I wonder if parents know what the kids are doing. And they just don't say anything. I, I I think you have to. I don't know. I think you have to know. My, my um, I I got a subscription, like me to and the a, Sears catalog. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. Tell you when it showed up, I was so excited. No, me and a friend. We were eight years old. We're seven years old. And we found one of those cards to Playboy. Yeah. And we filled it out and sent it in, and it, and but we cards we, for what? You know, like the subscription cards that come, that oh. fall out of the magazine. We found one on the street. And we're like, oh wow, look at this. Fill it out. Used my address. It was just a joke, but then it showed up at my house, like in a brown wrapper. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know. And, and it's like, and my parents walked in, and and uh, my dad, you know, he's, he's marginal. He was like, eh, "Mijo, eh, tell me about this." <laughs> and I was looking. I was like, "Oh my god!" And like, you know, I confessed, and he was like, "Okay, your mother and I are going to discuss uh, what kind of punishment." And I was like, "Okay." He knew what it was. Oh no, he definitely <laughs> knew what it was. Yeah. But then he he came back like five minutes later and delivered the most surprising verdict. He was like, eh, "Your mother and I have uh, decided to let you uh, keep the uh, subscription." Wow, really? Yeah. And and my mom told me later. She's, she's like, "We were just, you know, it was to see that you were interested in the female form. It just made us happy." And this was not an offensive magazine. Like we looked at it, it was artistic. Wasn't all bondage and <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I was like, now, I, like I had a subscription As to an eight-year-old to Playboy. Yeah. And like wow. all my wow. friends like, come No one ever That's thought to good. actually get a pres- subscription. Well, we did it to uh, we did that to our manager a couple of years ago as a Christmas present. We got a subscription to Penthouse, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And we got a subscription to Penthouse to come to the office. Yeah. So Penthouse nice. would show up at his office. His secretary would have to get it. Yeah. And give it and, to him. Uh, That's and good. He would, and he's he he's the kind of guy who would be. Embarrassed about it. That's Berkowitz. No, it's uh, Dave Miner at Three Arts. You know oh, Dave Miner. I don't know him. I know Berkowitz. I like Berkowitz because he's always. I always wanted an agent that people refer to as a fucking Jew. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that guy's like hardball. That is how enough. he was introduced to us, or whatever. It was like, a, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, who was it? Oh, it was Miner and 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 somebody else was like. You think I'm Jewish? What do you meet this guy? <laughs> yeah, Smirkowitz. He, he, he talked to the side of his mouth. Like, yeah, yeah. How much is a subscription to um, Playboy? Well, it was Two, like we bucks? did Penthouse though, or did we Hustler? What do we? But do like for? when you were little, I'm saying, why didn't no one think of that? Oh, but no, because what happens is they start sending to you. Yeah. Then they bill you. Uh, once yeah. you get hooked in. Yeah, you just send in the card, but yeah. it's still inexpensive. It's like it's always like two dollars yeah. off the newsstand price. Yeah, like you can get it's it for like, like twelve 20 bucks. bucks for a year or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Fine. But like, yeah, why didn't more kids do that instead of having to try to find one the with fear. their camp counselor? It's the fear of repercussion. Yeah. You don't get the mail, right? Your parents. Can no. Yeah, they do. But you know, it's like it's it's all got to be the same thing. Like my dad, 
Like my dad looked at him. If he was having any like doubts about his faith in God, he yeah. it must have been reaffirmed on that day because all he knew was Playboy just came to his house that his fucking eight year old kid ordered <laughs> ordered for him, and it's like he was probably lobbying. He's probably right. the one who was like, eh, he is uh, taking an appreciation for the, f- the female form. Uh, <laughs> I will check out each uh, thing and make sure it's okay for him. It's okay. and, uh, make sure there's no sm- uh, too racy. Yeah. But that's you know you're very forward thinking parents. You have your your father from South America. And, you know, your liberal New York City mother. Mm-hmm. And they were totally into your their eight-year-old kid having a Playboy. They were. never mentioned it. She found me um, lying face down. I used to do this thing where I'd, where I'd lie face down on the bed and just, like, sh- like move my ankles to get my dick to rub against the bedspread. <laughs> yeah. And that would be the way I masturbate. But I had my... They, she came in. I was asleep with a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue at my head, my pants around my my, <laughs> my knees, and then just conked out asleep. Like masturbated, came and just fell asleep right there. And she walked in. She says, "Are you?" Just walked out. That must have been some orgasm you had, Ari. It was yeah. so good. You got so exhausted afterwards. My dad had a, 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 a Playboy subscription. He did, yeah. really. And we knew where he kept them in his closet. So you went and got them. Yeah, we go to him. Yeah. Whack off and jerk yeah, off sure. too. Yeah. How did wait? So how you didn't tell me? How did you jerk off in the pudding? Was it a straight like man style? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the first few times is what you probably talked about. You fuck something. Yeah. Like a bed or a, a couch. The couch cushions. I remember getting my whatever. mom's couch cushion once mm-hmm. in between. Yep. And you had the, you you had the buddy who well, you turned it into me, me, but it wasn't really. I me, did. I had, I had a friend who he fuck his teddy bear. bear. What, did he have, like, an open mouth or something? No, no you know what? That's, I, for a long time, I thought he had, like, drilled a hole in it and would literally fuck the teddy bear. But he said he would put it down on, the, on like, a surface <laughs> and fuck the space between the teddy bear and the surface. <laughs> Was it really soft, the teddy bear? Yeah, well, I imagine after a while I got pretty crusty and hard. I don't know. You can watch it. But then, like, but I, in, in our live show, I, somebody was like, you should tell that story, but attribute it to one of the Broken Lizard guys. So I, I gave Heffernan that, uh, oh, yeah. that right. honor. And I had a significant teddy bear as a little kid, and my mom was just devastated she, by that story. Yeah, she was like, could you fuck Squeaky? Yeah, I was like, no. Wasn't that, that your teddy bear's name, Squeaky? Yeah, yeah. I had, a, I had another buddy who would bundle up his, his sheet, his top sheet, mm-hmm. and he would fuck the bundle. Just in the crevices and stuff. Yeah, he would like wad it up like a giant wad, and and. <laughs> Why don't they teach kids about this stuff? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we'll just figure it out on our own. We're just monkeys. I mean, you know, someone just give us some lube and be like, listen, in maybe a year or two, you're going to be into this stuff. Just you don't need to know it now, but soon. Right. Well, I mean, that's the problem. We're just monkeys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it goes back to what you were saying when when you walked in here when you were looking at my baby. Like, do you you know like the worrying about fucking up a, a child a life you know it's like what should my approach be to, to yeah. how to masturbate should i say like this is the way you're gonna do it or just let him figure it out like yeah he'll figure it. it out yeah he'll figure it out my dad was like anti like he was like like they gave us a book to read you know about masturbation. yeah it's not like no about the birds and the bees like about he'll get this on his own oh really yeah but there was one like little section about someone. masturbation and so my dad was is like that one called like the lonely bee no i don't know what it was called <laughs> i don't know what it's called wouldn't um, that be sad? Yeah. Who am I going to play with? I'll just play with myself. Be yourself. You can make it a happy moment. Yeah. It be just smiling all the time. Yeah, just, stinger, you're shooting yeah. at honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> make it really graphic, but just call it honey. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. He's, like, <laughs> he's, he's on the stinger. Yeah, Spurk, a load flirt. of honey shoots out of there. Gross. Yeah, but my dad was like, yeah. he's, he's like, don't like. Uh, you have any questions? Uh, you know, about reading the Birds and the Bees book, and I was like, I don't know. He goes, now that 
There's that one section about uh, masturbation. We don't, uh, we don't, don't, don't worry about that. We don't, uh, we don't do that. He won't even cover it. Yeah, he wouldn't. He didn't want to discuss. The parents that. are are fucking uh, embarrassed, right? To talk about that stuff. Yeah, but it's also like you know, age. You know, like a, you know, it's a, uh, how old are your kids? Nine, seven, and four. Nine. That's gonna come up soon, right? Yeah, girl though. So what the hell do I? Know? Oh yeah. My, and you definitely can't have that conversation. With no, her. I'm, not, I'm not getting involved in that. My shit. sister did this thing, which I haven't verified whether it was that or not, but she'd watch TV and she would like post up on her hands, but lie down on her stomach, but like her hands would post up and she would just shift back and forth uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, until her <laughs> eyes would start to like convulse a little. That And that was her. I'm positive that's what she was doing was masturbating. Oh, so, you, so she did it in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, watching the Cosby show. Just whatever. I, I, she just knew it felt good. Just right. like scratching. Yeah, I mean that's you know there's like that thing about like women when they cross their legs like they're they're. That's mess. what they're doing. I don't. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a woman. I've whacked off in public though. I don't mean like standing on the street like eh, you know, but like, like what? in high school, like in class, I I would. You do it right. in class I, I, to the point where you come. Yeah. Come in your pants. Come in my skirt. Yeah, come in, come in my. <laughs> Yeah, like and just no. Don't worry about a wet spot. Leave it, leave it there. Uh, gross. Well, I, you know, I wore underwear. You know, so we like, all wore underwear, all and that soaked it up. That generally soaked it up, and then uh. like after class, you know, I'd go deal with it. But like, you know, at horn, I was so goddamn horny when I was fourteen. I just had to. Yeah. I didn't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you guys are looking at me funny now. Everyone, you can't see this, but they're. I know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't bother the masturbation part. Doesn't bother me. It's just like that's coming amazing. into your pants bothers me. Yeah, just shooting it in there and just like, just what's it going to do? The rest but of the we're day. talking about a guy who didn't wash his waiter pants for oh, two yeah. years. You know? Yeah, I'm just dirty. I'm I dirty. can see like last period doing it, but I, I might pre-lunch. have come in my pants right now. <laughs> I came up, I masturbated in a car once, just driving in traffic. I've never been able to do that. Because you're too worried about people looking at you. I, I don't know what it's like, I, or maybe just fear of getting an accident. I've tried, but like I've never been able to... to to fruition, huh? I've I've never thought about it really. But you're a much more decent human I'm a, well, being. Well, I'm also than, a responsible driver. Yeah, like Ari and I are clearly degenerate. Degenerate. Yeah. Yeah. I like to um, I like to pay attention to the road so they don't hurt anyone. That's I an know, option he, too. He chastised me the other day for texting uh, while like, driving. Yeah, yeah, we're driving back from from LAX, and I I was actually just reading a text. I wasn't yeah. actually texting, but he chastised me. You don't do it. Uh, I, I probably do, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I try it. not to. And, and whenever I'm in the passenger seat, I make sure the person driving is not doing it. I feel shitty about it, yeah. I look down at everybody else who does it, but I'm not willing to not do it. Yeah. I'm just like, look at that idiot. I, do, I rarely do it. I mean, I, I'll do it like sitting at a red light. I just, yeah, I mean, for sure. Oh, yeah. But like... Uh, oh, while you were driving, you do it? You get a straightaway. Well, it's like, I, I make sure, I'm like, I am not going to be a dangerous texter and driver I'll wait I'm on a straightaway no think. way who says that, no way. Who says that? Do this. everyone I, says it I type one word I look up mm-hmm. I type another long it's definitely word. adding danger to it yeah absolutely yeah listen because it's not just even you it's like what if someone swerves into your lane at that point you, don't, you can't react you're not paying attention you're totally right you're totally right. So anyway, like I, I, I'll, I'll ride a person that I'm driving. Yeah, with. I still do it though. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. It's like that's fucking bullshit, Ari. Like, I you, know it's wrong though. Like I'm not, I'm not coming after you about texting driving because that would yeah. be hypocritical. Jesus, uh-huh. I'm going to text that word today on the highway. Mm-hmm. Hypocritical. I'm not a practice for your preach guy though. I mean, I, mean, I think, I think you, there are objective truths. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. I'm taking more. I know I'm taking more of a Whether chance by texting not, and driving. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to run over a small child. Yeah, well, that's what you have to pick your spots. Mm-hmm. I've already had this daydream too, where I have to quickly go back and delete the texts so they can't figure out that you were. That that's why they'll know. They know. They can Fuck. It. Yeah. Cell towers. And- so you have a recurring dream about this, where you you a car accident. Oh, oh, it's a daydream. Yeah, where I'm like... That's going to turn into a bit. Daydreams turn into bits, don't you think? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> a lot of times. That's, you, uh, you just go off in your head, and then you're just like, oh, let's write it up. I will say one thing that has become the most annoying thing about doing stand-up comedy Yeah, was like the proprietary thing you get over bits. Like Because we, like, we do it together. We actually don't do it so much, but, yeah. but where you're like, you start having a conversation with somebody, and then you realize... Who gets that? Well, you've said a couple of funny things, and you're like, this is going to be a bit. I'm going to do a bit out of this. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you start claiming these things so that people know. Oh, yeah. That- yeah, there's that, there's that fear all the time. I remember Chris Hardwick doing a bit when we were doing open mics. He goes, uh, my buddy, um, oh, what did he say? He goes, he goes, I went to the store today, which means either me or one of my non-comedian friends went to the store sometime in the last year. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. But any non-comedian friend, you're like, I'm taking that. Good thought. That's mine now. It's part of my conversation with you. Oh, yeah. I'll tell them, though. Like, like yeah, my, my civilian friends. Yeah, civilians. If they say something hilarious, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to use that on stage. I don't even ask. I'm like, I'm using that. And they're like, yeah, go for it. What else are they going to do? They're not going to use it. I know. They're probably happy about it. They are. But then I, like, I've noticed that like, sometimes if they see you doing the joke, they'll start telling They're like, that's my joke. That's my joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My friend David Mark does that. Yeah, about some bit that I don't do anymore. But it's like, no, you did. We fucking had the same thought. We talked about it one day. Yeah, we do the same thing in our movies. I mean, somebody have something funny happens to your friend, you put it in the movies. We've done it all the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not just a stand up thing. Do you guys riff a lot while you're shooting those movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a ton. But used to, in the beginning, we didn't have the budget to ju- to do it on film, and so it was in the rehearsal periods. Like we would oh. do all that stuff, or maybe you know, while the camera wasn't rolling, somebody would throw in an idea. But like. Super tr- like Puddle Cruiser, which was our first movie. Super Troopers. Public what? Puddle Cruiser. I don't know that one. It's uh, we made it. It was the first one we made a few years before Super Troopers. And that helps you get a budget for Super Troopers. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that but, was a good fucking movie. Thanks, yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And, yeah. We uh, we 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 got lucky on that. But the the truth is, uh, we had several years working on it. Uh-huh. You know, so like we wound up doing twenty five drafts. Which is not the the normal practice. Like you know, in Hollywood, it's like the we've been through the process. You you deliver your first draft, and then you do like a rewrite, and then a polish. And a lot of those movies, you know, might go through rewrites, but they're not getting twenty five drafts done. That's why movies suck. I believe so. God, because movies suck. I believe <laughs> there's so many shitty ones that I'm they're like, wrong. I don't know if I'm getting jaded or if it's just Hollywood's gotten You're worse. Jaded, it must be some of that. Well, because I like I, I'll watch movies with my kids now and. You realize how jaded you are because they enjoy it. They love it. They love it, and you're like, God, I'm such an asshole. But those, but kids' movies, yeah. I feel like yeah, that's different. Those are made for kids. What? No, not even kids' movies. I mean, like when you watch some action movie, you know, movies for all ages. You know what I mean? Well, like for instance, I Heart Shaky. Like yeah, you know that's a, that's a kids' movie I made. It's not you know it's not polished or glossy or anything like yeah. that. Um, and the kids, you know, kids like it. They like it because it, it hits the whammies that they need. Yeah. But like, I mean, I find that like all those Pixar movies and all those like when I see them, I'm like, God damn, that's a good movie. It's better than like all the adult movies that are out mm-hmm. there because you know they work nonstop at those. Well, that's, the thing. that's what yeah, it is because they, they work for years on it. Yeah, yeah. Up was tremendous. Who didn't cry when they watched Up? Yeah, I haven't right. seen it. 
Oh, really? Oh. But see, because I, I, you know, my kid is too young. Like, I'm, I'm not. Oh. I know of we'll the, the good kids movies, but like, so Super Troopers. You know, we we did our first movie, Puddle Cruiser, and then it was five years before we shot Super Troopers, and we had a lot of like close calls. Like, somebody would come on to produce it and be like, "Give me another draft like this," like concentrate on this uh-huh. stuff. And so you you do it, and then we wound up doing really twenty five drafts. And so it's just your script can't get worse; it can only get better. Right, weed out the stuff. Yeah, but so you know, it's like so our early movies. We only had like two or three takes. We didn't have much money. Even Club Dread, we had a much bigger budget, and it was a studio movie, but it was a very ambitious movie. And so, mm-hmm. even with that budget, we still only had three takes to do each scene. Oh. Beer Fest was the first time we were really able to like fuck around on on camera. Yeah, somebody told me about like Jim Carrey during Dumb and Dumber when he's going into the bathroom when he sees that poster like man walks on the moon yeah and then he's like we did it yeah we did, but he goes that was just all not scripted he just walked in and saw the set decoration yeah and he went off but i think my acting teacher was like Ari, you can't do that <laughs> like nobody wants to waste film on you maybe being funny or not see when you're paid 20 million dollars yeah. like go ahead fuck around with film yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's a, it's a fine line it's yeah always what you can get away with and not get away with yeah but that you know that's you know that's bad advice from your acting teacher probably i should go off right you well those are go off let the director tell you to stop yeah not your acting yeah yeah you know it's funny right like you know if you're like god you know man walks on the moon like we landed on the moon like go out there like that's that's great i feel like whenever i tell my friends who start doing commercial work when they because it's a good easy way for comics to make money um well, they say, like, they tell us not to be funny, and I tell them, they're not talking to you. They don't know you're a stand-up comic. Right. They're talking to actors yeah. who are just boring. Like, yeah. go do whatever you want. They'll be fine with it. Tell them I said it's okay. Do you guys, okay, let me ask you questions. Do you guys, um, do you get, a, like, do you get, a, okay, and there's no nice way to say this, but, like, do you get annoyed with people saying, like, I love this movie, I love that movie? Doesn't it get old after a while? No. No. Really? Yeah. Never. I mean, you work hard on them, and you know they're like your kids, and you know you want people to like them, right? So, yeah, but I mean, six, seven years later, no, no, it's great. Like we, we were just talking. Now. We went and did this. Uh, we last week we did like a, a few college gigs, you know? mm-hmm. and so uh, we went to these college shows, and you meet these kids who are nineteen years old, and it was this phenomenon of like multiple, you know, times these kids were like, "Oh, my dad loves your movies." Oh, yeah. And he's the guy who showed them to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? My you're uncle like, turned me on. Yeah, you're like, holy shit! And the first of all, you feel old. And second of all, then you realize that you know two generations of people yeah. enjoying and so, what you do. And so now here's a whole new wave of people who are liking your movies, and that's nice. That's a nice thing. I think. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, remember, you're certainly old, but it's nice. Yeah, it, you're old, but nice. No, it's it's those things we talk about. It's, those are success problems, right? You know, like your problems could be a lot worse than that. Yeah, they could be not saying anything but Bob Dylan talked about it when people said like how he loved his 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 songs whatever it was he just called that dead time for your brain like there's <laughs> nothing you can do but say thank you you just have to wait till they're done talking yeah but Bob Dylan is also an asshole is he? <laughs> well I mean he's a genius that. but he's yeah. a fucking crusty dick yeah you know but doesn't your mind ever just shut off and people are like oh you know I watched it when I was in college just their individual stories well, about how mean, there's not, like, I mean oh, you've oh, heard them and there's not much it. you can say about it but you know they're getting that out there and it's nice that they are yeah it's you know like uh i I mean you know there's also the flip side of that where there are there are a lot of people who come up to you with with really touching stories like you know my my mom passed away and this got me through it or you know like i was really sick and i was in the hospital 
and this your movies got me through it. We get tons of like military guys that you meet, and they're like, you know, I was in Afghanistan, and we had like three movies, and two of them were Bureau Super Troopers, and we watched them over and over again. Well, those military guys get something, and they just yeah. pass it around. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know, we had guys That's who nice. were like they told us like they were in the they were on a ship in the Persian Gulf, and it's like they're just like monitoring different you know like uh, sea vessels that are around there, and there was one thing where like their commanding officer, they were like, what about what about that you know that that boat. And then the, the CO was like, oh, that little guy? I wouldn't worry about that little guy, which is a line from Super Troopers. Yeah. And it's like, it's nice to know that they are fucking around so much. With your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You guys also really made your own things, right? It wasn't like you were in anything. Uh, yeah. No, we've, yeah, we've been in a few, I guess here and there we get we in a few things, but mostly it's our movies. Yeah. Those were, I mean, those were the first things. Yep. And that was your, that was your pro, the whole thing was you guys? Yeah, Soup to Nuts. Yeah. yeah, we wrote it and produced it and... Yeah, maybe a bit more easy to like. Yeah, when people say though, it's like oh, I I have cancer and like listening to something really helped me. I had no idea what to say at that point. Just say thanks. Thank, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But that's why you're doing it because laughter is the greatest thing in life. Yeah. And what's sex? What about sex? Oh, giggling sex. Giggling sex. Giggling sex. Yeah. That's a good bit. I'm going to use that bit. <laughs> if you had to choose in life to only having laughter or only having sex, laughter, Kevin. I think sex. I well, can I masturbate? <laughs> no. Can you what? No. Masturbate? No masturbation. There's no masturbation? Oh, wait. So it's, it's laughing and no sexual release? Correct. But I'm horny. You can be, sure. So there's, there's a, a, a cork in my cock. Yeah. Wow. Or. Or sex with no laugh. I'm morose, but I bone. Yeah. So can you smile and stuff? Sure. Things. Yeah. Will I be happy about my orgasm? Mm-hmm. So I'm happy without laughter. And you can't bring anyone else laughter. No. Wait a second. I feel like that's an addendum that is not fair. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're just one or the other. But you can't make sex. somebody else. So so I can't even hear laughter. Sure, you can hear the children in the playground if you want to. And I can make people laugh. Sure. Okay. Oh, that's back in. Okay. If you want it. Okay, I'll take sex. <laughs> I'm, and I'm tired with this that. already. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are three years in. Okay. Three years in. What does that mean? Where, how, where well, where we I was three ages? years in was I'm starting to get comfortable on stage. Okay. I'm starting to, I think I'm starting to feel a little bit of like, oh, I, I'm figuring out not just like make a joke and hope it works, but like how to make a joke here or there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now at that point in time, see, I, I think we have an advantage because you know we go up and we every night you know we're doing two shows where we're mm-hmm. each on stage alone for 30 minutes and then doing 20 minutes together so that's like, a lot of good stage time so we're logging minutes as opposed to 7 minutes a night yeah yeah, yeah. i've never i mean i've never really done that short sets yeah yeah well that was like you know so so berkowitz when he was mm-hmm. like hey go out you know go to places where they don't know you he started booking me there was one night he was like, okay, I'm going to book you. You're going to do the improv at like 7.30, something on the west side at like 8.30, and then come back to do the comedy store at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's normal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, he's like... Normal meaning that's what everyone does. That's what LA stand-up is, driving right. from spot to spot. Yeah. But I felt like such a, a dick, because he's, he's like, that's when I'm going to know you're serious about it. And I'm like... You know, but I get to. I'm going up and doing 45 minutes on the weekend. You know, he's yeah. like, you're such a dick. <laughs> he's like, don't you want to fucking get the experience? I'm like, I want to get a lot of it. There's also something to be said for like seeing a bunch of great comics night after night and seeing what the line is that you can try to like hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But Some of my friends that just go on the road, they've lost that. They've lost touch of what, what's new and fresh, what people are talking about generally. Okay, see, this was interesting because like somebody uh, just recently was talking about um, you know, the difference between road comics and club comics and how there's a rivalry. Do you think there's a rivalry? No rivalry. Okay. A lot of these things are made by people that are five years into comedy. Okay. You know? Yeah. And the road comics don't care at all. Okay. That's right. Like, I, I mean, I never even knew something like this. Are we road comics or club comics? We are road comics. Okay. But there was a way for young comics to justify that they, or to say that they were better, their path was better. Because they're like, oh, these road comics are all hacky. Right. But they're not all hacky. There's some, like, there's some that just do stupid road material. Well, if, I always, I mean, I mean, I guess I'm about to start a few. I always thought the best ones were on the road, right? Because, like. Eventually, yeah. That's where you make, make a lot of money. You have a full hour of material that you want to present to people. Yeah. But there's some, I mean, I always got, you know, the, at the beginning, I was always worried in those rooms that if I because I saw a lot of recognizable faces, I thought that if I nailed a joke, that there was a possibility that somebody would steal it. That was like, no. I, I you yeah, know, I, that's a new person thing, way of thinking too. Is that right? Yeah, it's not a problem. But that happens though. It does happen. Yeah. But you put stuff happened, out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But putting it out there is not making it, I mean, I guess it makes it a little more likely. But I mean, you, it's like putting iron bars on all your windows. Yeah. We're like, yes, yeah, somebody could break in, but I don't want to do everything possible in the unlikely event yeah, yeah, they yeah. might. I am about to fucking cry, Ari. That was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that was so. That was a beautiful metaphor, don't you think, Kevin? It was. It was excellent. Yeah. That's Thanks. like putting, you know what? I don't want to have bars on my windows, Ari. No, I want to open the window and smell some goddamn fresh air. Yeah, but you don't want to drive from club to club to club in L.A. No, I don't. That's also the thing. It's like whenever he starts comedy, they're twenty-four years old and they can do that. Right. Exactly, and we talked about that too. Yeah, yeah. I do kind of wish that I did it when I was younger because I, I enjoy it. But, you know, we, we were doing something else. Ralphie May told me once, I met him when I was like a year into comedy. He asked me how long I've been doing it. Yeah. And I think I said a year, eight months, whatever it was. He goes, ah, oh, this is when it's just fun. Yeah. And I didn't understand it because I was, you know, torturing myself of how to like write a better joke. And, right. But I got it now where it's like, it's only for the sake of a joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no will this play somewhere or do I, how can I make money off this or what's my next step? It's just like, can I make a joke be funny? Yeah. I, I, I feel that way. I mean, you know, I, I'm not jaded at all, but there have been stops that we've made. Like we, we had a run, we played at the Foxwoods Casino. Yeah, I did that place. Oh. Comics. <sighs> yeah. It was terrible. Why terrible? Because nobody was there, nobody's in a casino to see a comedy show. Yeah, they're there for the casino. Yeah, they're there for the casino. And, and there's and, nothing around that yeah. place, too. There's nothing. Yeah. They're, so they're losing, they get comped, they come in, they have a drink, yeah. they fall asleep at your show, and then they go home. Like, yeah. they're not a, Yeah, like, that's not a comedy-going audience. They're not no, there for yeah. it. No. It's not, it's not, it's, it's lower than, like, you know, obviously, you go on the road, there are going to be, those, they're called samplers, right? Yeah. The people what who are samplers? People who come to the comedy club. To Not have a, a good fan night. of you, but just right. to sample some comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah, they happen to be there that night, and so you're you're still winging them over. This is worse than that. There's people that got a free ticket. They're wasted. They're pissed off, and it's like they don't give a flying fuck. I mean, it, it was all. it was terrible. We had okay. So Loretta Lynn was there uh, one night, and you know, playing in the theater, and she canceled her show. So they comped <sighs> all these <laughs> all these Loretta Lynn fans yeah. were there, octogenarians. Yeah. People coming in, like literally, we're talking about it. Like, oh my god, this is gonna be ridiculous! And in the background, there's like a dude going by on a scooter with a nose hose in, <laughs> and they're pissed off. They don't want to pay the two drink minimum. Like they're, you know, and we're up there talking about fucking masturbation and poison <laughs> ivy on the dick, the beer fest. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some fans there, but it's that yeah. mix with the fucking people. They're like, I don't want you at my show. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of fans there. Yeah, and it's, like it's, never a full crowd. 
Yeah. That's the thing, too. It wasn't like in a city, so people have to go over there just to go yeah. to your show. And they're going to gamble. They're not going to go to your show. Yeah. yeah. They have to make a weekend out of it. Yeah. So, it, but, And those times were like so depressing, and yet there's... I have such fond memories. Like we were able to look back on it now and, and laugh at what a shitty situation. Which also, mm-hmm. the, the beauty of it is that we're doing it together, which I think we can commiserate. Oh yeah, that's a lot more fun, by yeah. the way. Or, being yeah, on the or road share with the a experience or whatever. You know, we oh, have yeah. luxury. I, I I think honestly, I would. I mean, maybe at age twenty four, I could, but going on the road alone to me sounds so hard. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so hard. To like, do it you is. do try, it or do you take someone with you? I try, but a lot of times they fight me on it, and yeah. they're like, "No," because one, it costs them extra if they got to get a hotel room. Yeah, and I'm at the point where I'm making not quite enough where I can afford to like get Pay somebody food, a yeah. flight in a hotel room. Yeah. Um, but if like they're from that city, yeah, like a friend of mine is from Dallas, I have to like plead with them and like, this it's better to have a professional LA comic right. than whatever local you have. Right, like it's not going to cost you a dime, and then they eventually like, all right. Yeah. But that's like hard to get. But that's an amazing thing to me. I mean, we've been plenty of places where yeah. the opener is terrible. Terrible sometimes. Sometimes yeah. good, but sometimes, sometimes terrible. Yeah, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, and when they're great, you're like always a pleasure when they're good. Yeah. It's fantastic. The crowd's warmed up and we've certainly had plenty of great openers. Yeah. But then when it's bad, you're like, Oh my god, like they're killing us. They're just hurting the show. Yeah. yeah. You gotta get over this hurdle. Yeah. And this club is like you're like, Why would they do this? Like they're this represents them too yeah yeah because yeah. they want people going for just like we'll just go watch it have a good time for stand-up comedy it's like well then your brand is being ruined by having right. some shittle, shitty middle guy yeah i had a good one this week in minnesota adam something but he was like funny and i was like oh it's such a nice treat that's awesome when you have good jokes now so wait I, I think i saw are you and joe rogan doing a show together sometimes yeah so i went on the road with him a lot when i started going on the road it was with him okay. he would take me with him oh so you were opening for him yeah and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But just going on the road when you're starting is like the idea, like that week at the Riviera. Yeah. Where I barely knew the other guy. It's just, it was like, I'm being paid to be a professional comic. Yeah. yeah. So none of that shit mattered. Yeah. You get a hotel room and you're like, well, I got a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's when I was, uh, that's when I was, remember when, um, remember, do you guys remember when you were poor? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember when they would be like, hey, we need somebody to volunteer not to take this flight because we're oversold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you'd be like rushing up yeah. and just the, the dream would be like, well, you have to stay over in Dallas for the night. We'll get yeah. your hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. Now you're like. I, yeah. I, I went to boarding school and uh, for two years in Colorado Springs. And uh, there was one time I was flying. You know, you always had to connect. It was either through Denver or maybe Chicago or some other place. But uh, one time, me and another guy and another girl from my school yeah. were on the same flight. Or, like, we're all in the same connecting city, and there was a blizzard, and all the flights got canceled out of that city. And so, we, I actually, I, I, I don't, I think we had to pay for our own hotel room. Oh, really? Oh, fuck that. Yeah. But there were three, but it was, it was the fucking best. It was fun. <laughs> it was the best. Yeah, it has nothing to do people, with what you said, but. I remember going to Vegas and having, like, six people to a room. Oh yeah, and they're like, "This is awesome." Well, we, we did the Broken Lizard tour. I mean, you know, we we would double up, triple up, and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. On the Broken Lizard tour? Yeah, yeah. That's late in the game too. But, but that's, well, it's just like you know, it's like you could pay for six hotel rooms, or you could just you know, like relax. It's okay. Well, I think yeah, the chill thing is, with the dude. And, yeah. we were sometimes also, we did, sometimes we didn't. We were poor so long. It's like I, I you know, I, I still have the the mentality yeah. where I'm just like. It offends it offends me to pay some prices sometimes. Certain things. Yeah. 
I just parking cars is tough for me. Mm-hmm. Because when I would do the open mics and I have to, I was like, I can't afford to pay five to ten dollars for a parking spot. I've got to find meters. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's just not escaped from my thoughts right. yet. And still, yeah. No, we went to Texas last week and uh, we had to pay for our own uh, hotel, so we shared a room. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like for one night, you know, not a big deal. Yeah, you know? well, well, you know, we don't care. I mean, it's yeah. like a, it's like a sleepover. You, you know, how many people at age at age forty get to get to have that? Sleepovers are fun. Yeah. yeah. My friend uh, Steve Renaz, it's okay. The mics are pretty good. Sweet, bro. Um, Vacuum cleaner. Steve Renaz, he's let let this guy Steve Simone stay at his house. He moved to New York, but he didn't want to sell his condo, so he lets our other friends stay there. Right. But then when Renaz is back in L.A., they just like, yeah, I got a roommate now. This is cool. <laughs> they live like college kids. You know, they walk around in their underwear and just oh yeah, get takeout and watch football and suck each other's dicks. Yeah, I sort of missed that time. It's good, but I, I do like I do like the ro- like the switch was when we started doing stand up as opposed to doing like the Brooklyn Lizard show. Then the club would get you hotel rooms, and we'd have our own hotel rooms. The club probably doesn't like buying you guys separate rooms too. They, they probably don't, but right. they have to. They must love your fucking drink sales. Well, that's the thing is they make so much money. Yeah, they make. So, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you know on the tickets, but it's like they make so much money on the booze. Yeah, yeah. the waitresses and the bartenders they they, they, they love, love it. You. They oh, yeah. love it. They all, they're, they're like, I made more money this weekend than your any fans, other. Do your fans tip too? Like percentage-wise? Yeah. Or just yeah. drinking off would be good? I mean, just I think just the, the, the amount of yeah. drinking. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's ridiculous. I remember talking to, in Denver, talking to the wait staff, because Rogan always had a good drinking crowd. Probably not nearly as good as yours. But um, I He's asked, got like the UFC crowd, right? They like to drink. They like to throw around tip money. Right. They always like them. But I remember asking like who the worst ones were. And they said like when Russell Peters came there, It'd be packed every night, uh-huh. but they'd have to split like four dollars worth of tips, right? Oh, <laughs> really? Because the Indian people are just—they <laughs> demean us. They're like, "Do you know how to do your job?" And you're like, "Oh, I need this." Well, that's we found there. There is one little offshoot, which is like we've had, we've had a couple of shows where the club was like, "Oh my god, you guys, you have a reservation of seventy-five like fraternity brothers from the <laughs> University of Arizona oh, no. or yeah. something like that." And, and they're like psyched about it, but then they sit down and it was like a rush function, and so they're all drinking sodas. Oh, because they're not allowed. Because yeah. they weren't of age, they you know. They weren't oh. old enough, so they drink sodas. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they make the killing they want. The other thing that the clubs oh, yeah. get bummed about is like that the the rare time where where you walk out of the show and like one of the waiters or waitresses is like mopping up vomit. Oh yeah, oh, oh, vomit yeah. in the bathroom. <laughs> right, <laughs> which they're which they get bummed out at. Yeah, <laughs> there are. There are plenty of people who are too drunk. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so bad for weights that when they have to mop up vomit. Oh, but you're like, yeah. I'm not going to help you. Yeah, <laughs> we had that at Cobb's. At Cobb's, there were several we patches we couple, of vomit. Couple of vomit, like right in the middle of the room. Boom, right on the floor, right in the middle of the room, in the middle of the show. Yeah, yeah. Some guy just puking on the floor. Do you guys have stoners that come out at all? Oh yeah, yeah. you have that too. But that's the other problem is that like. The, on Mondays, we always get the call from these places. They're like, "Your tickets? There's no tickets sold." And what we found out is that the stoners just don't rally. Nope, they go there when it's time for the show. They walk yeah. up, yeah. And so the the managers and the club owners freak out for like three, four days, and then we're like, "It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay." And usually like, it's okay. Usually it's okay. Like yeah. our fans are irresponsible. Yeah. No one. You don't even make reservations for a movie. You just yeah. go, and then you find out it's sold out, and you're like, yeah. "Oh well, should it's I?" Like say? make plans. Yeah. Like, that, I'll tell you what, that's the only thing that bothers me when fans come up and, and say, they're like, you know, oh yeah, I pirated your movie. I stole your movie. You don't like it? I downloaded it for free. That's the, well, you know, it is coming out of my pocket. And so, yeah. like, you know, that's, that's a sore subject with artists, like the whole streaming thing. But that's not even streaming. Streaming is awesome. Yeah. I love Netflix. I love streaming. I love it. You're talking about straight stealing. I'm talking about straight stealing. Straight I, up. That's stealing. how I get almost everything I own. 
I, <laughs> and believe me, I understand. Right. I did the LimeWire thing for, for a yeah, while. Yeah, LimeWire. That's what it started. And Napster. It's addictive. It's awesome. I, mean, I feel like telling people at Best Buy when I see them in line in front of me and they're holding CDs, I feel like telling them, like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> no, it's, it's, listen, it's totally hypocritical. I, w- I was a, a, a manager. Not a manager. I was a buyer. Yeah. At, a, at a record store uh, my first job out of college I was the rock and roll CD buyer which meant I had access to the warehouse and to you know all like the returns that were not damaged people returned them or exchanged them yeah I stole yeah, five, 500 actual CDs copies. I stole 500 CDs 500 yeah I've got them in a closet here I, I won't let them go 500 CDs I had the best CD collection ever like I'm talking about the space of like six months anything you wanted yeah. it's like, I mean right. we're talking about the 90s here yeah <laughs> and I, like the heyday of CDs like, and I was still living at home at that point it was my first six job six Dinosaur Junior albums yeah. <laughs> oh yeah I had the Dinosaur Junior like whatever's cool with me the girl with the cigarette on, uh-huh. on my front I, had, I was getting I had all my, ca- my, my favorite bands covered I had all the new shit covered I was into like the deep the deep catalog now uh-huh. you know shit what like, else could you get I got everything. I had I had uh, this uh, Italian rock star named Zucchero. That means sugar in Italian. Yeah. And uh, you know he had a great album, cheesy as fuck. But like you know he had a duet with Eric Clapton and other ones. Zucchero. Zucchero. This big rock star in Italy. <laughs> what are you, are you like? I'm gonna get that. What this little book? Yeah. No. Oh, they're no, great. No, you're like I'm gonna get that. Oh yeah. No, I'll try to put it on the end of this episode. Oh, oh the song. Yeah. Oh. Or I'll or I'll or I'll steal the CD. I'll probably steal the CD. The problem is when they say like. I remember having like a Nirvana album in my car downstairs. Yeah. And be like, Ugh, it's raining. I don't want to go out there. I'll just get it right now. It'll take me four minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, would you like every Nirvana song that's ever been recorded? Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Sure, why not? Same price. Yeah, I know. And then it's like, you know, every now and then you have to deal with like a corrupted file or something that's improperly mm-hmm. labeled. Yeah. Like I remember doing things, I'd be like, Blind Melon sings Stairway to Heaven, awesome. Oh, and yeah. I download it's it labeled. and it's just Led Zeppelin, you know? <laughs> All right. like, Especially the early days where people didn't know how to like cross reference it and mm-hmm. they would just be there. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, but I know, but I know that feeling of like they're stealing it from you this time. Well, okay. <laughs> You're shooting your special. Now, there is a philosophy that's like, hey, it's out there. The, uh-huh. the, truly, the most important thing is to get eyeballs. Yeah. And, the, you know, it counts more than money for sure. Yeah. So it's like, fuck it, steal it. Yes, go for it. You know, I want, I want as many people to see this thing as I possibly can, so that later. And then you will get a certain percentage of people that'll buy it, that as it's more popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like Louis' thing, that last CD, that whatever the the thing we made a shitload of money. Yeah. I mean, he he was very much like, don't steal this shit. You know. Yeah. And I guess it worked because he made a lot. People of money. still stole it. I'm sure. I'm sure they did. Yeah. But you know. But ask them. Play. I released my album. I'm a devout torrenter. Mm. It's just easier, and I, I, this is the way I started getting music. BMG and Columbia House. I stole hundreds of stuff from them. Right. right. I worked at the in college at the place that logged in packages, so we would just order them to like bathrooms, right, and room closets, and then we just divvy them up between ourselves. Now I have a question. Yeah. Can we be can we be indicted for these crimes that we're confessing? No, on 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 air. I th- I'm pretty sure not. It's all in the past. or just alleged yeah, allegedly. What Kevin? Have you committed any crimes? Never. It, you know, Kevin, I mean, if it's murder or something, <laughs> I can. I Jimmy, say statute that. of limitations. Come on. Yeah, don't talk about your rapes. Yeah, <laughs> try to keep those to yourself. And they're about. To, I'm about. My to rapes were all pre 1980, so I'm cool. <laughs> the statute of limitations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the exact statute. Totally cool. Kevin is a lawyer. Are you really? I am. Yeah. That was before all this stuff. Yeah, before and kind of during a little bit. Like, like mostly we were, before. He passed the bar in two states: New York and Connecticut. Really? I did. 
Yeah. And then we made Puddle Cruiser. And then we made Puddle Cruiser. Wow. Then we started making movies. How did you get to be the foil? In what? In uh, Super Troopers? Yeah. Uh, Super Troopers and Beer beer Fest, No, no, we had... We had an audition process with yeah. like Super Troopers. Yeah, you know, with Puddle Cruiser, we realized that like, you know, when uh, you know, if you think you're playing a part or you know you're playing a part, it's just the human nature. You'd start to choose some prime jokes for yourself and uh-huh. like write them in there. With Super Troopers, the approach we took was we're just going to write these characters generically. So it's not like I'm saying oh, yeah, I'm making an Indian joke for the character that Jay is going to play or a short joke for the character I'm going to play. Yeah, you know, and and. Uh, and then we're going to read these parts. And so, and so like, everybody read, although I, I was slotted oh. to, to read Farva after Kevin wrote it. And I, I just declined to, to audition for the part of Farva after he, after he read for it. Because he it did was it really like, good. He was sitting next to me, and it's like, like, he's doing the lines like the fucking arm hairs were, like, curling on my arm. It was so, like, he was such a hideous <laughs> character. You were such a cunt. I was such an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he really embraced it, too, like... You know, like after the day of shooting, you know, you all get together and have beers in somebody's hotel room or where, or go to yeah. the bar and stuff. I'd like walk in a hotel room. People are smoking weed. I'd look over in a corner and there would be Heffernan in sunglasses chewing gum, like <laughs> and just like, and not talking to anybody. You're like, what a fucking dick. He's like, he's actually become the character. A method acting. Yeah, but it's not too far from who Kevin is in real life. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I it's true. It, yeah, it's true. It's true. My mom will disagree. You don't, yeah. She would think you're so sweet. Yeah, so nice. No one can believe that. Oh, no, Kevin. You guys gonna do a movie about weed? Pot fest? We're supposed to. Yeah. We outlined it. We sold oh, yeah. one to. Uh, we sold one to Universal a, y- a couple years ago, and then they decided that it w- didn't fit their image. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, I guess the, the studios they have, you know, they know that there's a ceiling on what something like that can make, like a pure pot movie. Yeah. You know, it's is it. You know they, yeah, they how have much money you put into there. that when it's going to be a cult thing. Yeah, and it's not even the, necessarily so much the money; it's the slot. It's 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 going to take up the slot of another movie that, you know. Oh yeah, there's so much shit about Hollywood I don't understand. It's you, you we'll know. Explain it. We we'll explain it all to you. Okay, you break that completely. We know it all. It is. I'll tell you all what though, it. it's crazy. Like we'd go to some meetings at Universal and we'd go into the the boardroom. This is the same at every studio. You see, they've got a board of all the year's releases what weekend they're coming out on and then all the other movies that are coming out on that weekend and it's from other studios from yeah. other studios yeah so they know what they're competing with like all wow. well in advance yeah. but it, they've got a system and they really do have a schedule of like okay we're releasing you know 12 movies this year so what slot is this thing going to take yeah you know because a lot of us are trying to be number one for a week to get everybody to tell but they can't release it the same day as Mission Impossible comes out yeah right so you got to keep they're always shifting then someone shifts then the dominoes shift yeah and oh. you think you know you have like we, we experienced this firsthand. it's like if you're working with a studio you know our budgets tend to be smaller and uh, you know in the past like our box office hasn't been the hugest thing yeah um, they have a, a huge hit that comes out and makes them like 200 million dollars and you think to yourself oh that's fantastic now we've got a good chance of getting our, our film greenlit it actually works the opposite. Like Why? they make a shitload of money, and then that, that that confirms that they really only want to release movies like that. They make a lot of money, giant movies. That's another reason why movies suck. Maybe I don't know. But man, I went back and watched Star Wars. It's Good. sort of bad. Oh, the first one? Yeah. No, I, I've watched I, that. Now that's another thing. Like I've like vicariously yeah. with my children. Okay. Like imagine watching it for the first time with like a seven with a child. Old. Yeah, and how's yeah. that? Great. Okay. They love it. I mean, then they love like Jar Jar Binks. They love it all. They love man. that too. 
but I, I feel like that that holds true for a lot of films, a lot of classic films that then get copied. And right. Like, so and, then it be, seems like it's super hacky almost. Yeah, I mean, like the first time I saw Halloween, I mean, I remember like over and over jumping yeah. out of fear and, and terror from the slightest things. Like when Jamie Lee Curtis walks up to the house and leaves the like the keys on the front doorstep and then walks away and then his Michael Myers' shoulder just comes into frame. Like I jumped because I was so tense. Now it's like you, I mean, it takes a lot to scare me in a movie. Yeah, but that's yeah. a scary movie. Yeah, you you, I mean, you can't say. Yeah, that. Freddy Krueger used to frighten the shit out of me. No, but like Jaws, for instance. Yeah. Kids now see Jaws, and they're like, "That sucks." Because it wasn't crazy enough. It wasn't crazy enough. They've seen it all before. It's they're not seeing it on a big screen, maybe even. Yeah, I think this is what happened to The Simpsons, where after a while, like Homer had to get so cartoonish mm-hmm. because he had to keep topping his stupid things he would do. Right. That it's almost got no basis in reality at all anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think feel like movies or action movies are hard the same way. We're like, well, you got to outdo that. We got to have a new fight scene with fights that have never been done before. Yeah, I mean, you have to do that. You have to, you have to make it look like something that's never been before. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, like martial arts films have that. Mm-hmm. New moves. Yeah. So I never got about action movies where it's like you never use the same punch twice throughout the movie. Is that right? <laughs> Maybe they always do like an elbow punch, and then they <laughs> do stuff. Different like, punch. Right. The last guy didn't see you kill the first guy. That move was fucking right. good. Right. Use it again. Yeah, that's that. true. Yeah, use what works. It's true. Yeah, stick with it. That's what you would do, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, you're the headbutt guy. Yeah. You just headbutt. It's not like Wade Boggs is like no one will expect me to steal a base. Mm-hmm. It's like no, I just won't because I'm slow. Exactly. <laughs> I'll exactly. just keep hitting singles. But that you know, like, but then when you do see a movie that's got it. Yeah, you know, like we saw, like Ong Bak Thai Warrior. Have oh, I heard that was really good, Great. dude. Really? Dude. Well, first of all, they're all doing their own stunts, and the stunts are amazing. Oh. And then the ass kicking was a type of ass kicking that I'd never seen before in any martial arts film. It was just, it was just new, and you can't imagine it until you see it. I recommend getting super stoned, okay, and watching Ong Bak Thai Warrior or Ninja Assassin. Ninja oh, Assassin is pretty good. That's Ninja great. Assassin is such a gem. Yeah, yeah it's so that was great. pretty good. Yeah. Two, two totally different styles, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, Ninja Assassin is a very glossy movie, mm-hmm. but so goddamn good. And and that guy Rain, right. yeah. who plays the lead actor, he's like the the the, the Rain. Korean. Has he been in other stuff? He's the no, Justin he's like, Timberlake of Korea. Yeah, he's like a oh really? Pop star. Yeah. I love showing up in Vegas and seeing a little billboard or something there, like the MGM, going like some guy you've never heard of from Japan or Korea is playing, mm-hmm. right? And then the place is just full of Koreans and Japanese and people, know, and they know, yeah, who just like this is the biggest star in the world, right? That's what that guy is. Because I was like, who? Is? I watched that movie. I was like, who is this guy? Because he's charismatic. And then I looked him up, and he's like. Currently called the Michael Jackson of China, yeah. or whatever. You know, his like, name is Rain. Yeah. It's amazing that you can be that big and not big here. Yeah. But that's like, we also met uh, this guy, the guy in Vegas. Do you know that guy, uh, Matt Goss? No. He's in those new like P. Diddy commercials Okay. with, uh, with the guy, with the kid from Breaking Bad. And it's like the vodka, like the Ciroc vodka. Okay. Like, look, be a lady tonight. They're all getting off the plane. Have you? No. Okay. I- it's a new commercial. But he's like, he's a guy, he's like a really good looking guy. Did you ever, like back in the 90s, there was a band called... Bros or Bros, it was like two twin. Them. It was twin brothers, like really pretty dudes. Yeah, British guys. Bros. Anyway, he's what like a horrible a, name for a band. He was what in it? He was one of the twins, and now he's like a Vegas crooner. Wow. And he's like, uh, and we met him at the right the Playboy, Playboy Radio show. show. Yeah, there's people that are Vegas famous too. He's Vegas. Yeah, he's Vegas famous, and like we'd never really heard of him before, and we met him at this radio show, and then. 
like for some reason, right, I, mean, I think it was your bachelor party. We went to Vegas like right after that, and there's posters of the guy everywhere. Oh, like, yeah. I've never heard of the guy before. Yeah. But, Danny Gans used to be that guy. Yeah, sure. Dice used to do a bit about him, that how famous he was and huge he was in Vegas. But he goes, as soon as he gets on the bus to leave Vegas, I don't know, I don't know why he's taking a bus, but <laughs> he goes, as soon as they leave Vegas City Limits, everybody goes back there and spits in his face and <laughs> says, you're nothing now, Gans. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a king there. Yeah. Or was. Till he died. So do you guys do stand-up together at all? We do like uh, 20 minutes together, but it's not necessarily stand-up. Or this Sketch. is a little more story. Well, we we kind of like do intro like a, in, like some bits, yeah, and then we'll do like extended like an extended like comic story yeah. together. We're ri- the new one we're writing now has more elements of stand up in it. Yeah, those are certainly the thing. I mean, like we're, but like, the, but yeah, it's more like that, and then you do twenty. You, we'll do like twenty five thirty minutes solo each. each each of us. Yeah, just switch off order, or how do you do it? Um, it depends. Like I think really in, in the old show, I used to go last, and then when we started traveling around, then you went last. Yeah, like and then there was a time period where we like let the audience decide, kind of thing. Who do you want to see first? Well, we would like uh, we would like pull people out of the crowd and and drink beers with them, and whoever won would decide. Yeah, that's a cool way to do yeah, it. That kind of thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and but then like you know, so the two man thing is funny because in the Broken Lizard show we did, Kevin and I told a story about meeting Patrick Swayze, uh-huh. and that was one where people came up. It was a true story, and people would come up to us afterwards. It, it was basically about like crashing and burning like meeting this guy that you idolized and then like you have you freeze and have nothing to say and so many people would come up to us afterwards and be like I love that story oh my god like that happened to me with this person you yeah know, like, then this new show that you know that we're doing we, we've told a story about like how Super Troopers got made and meeting Quentin Tarantino and stuff and, and oh, we, we cool. never found the heart in it though like 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 people haven't had that reaction. It's a funnier story, though. It's, it's a, a funnier story than the other story, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, doesn't, doesn't connect with the heart like yeah. that other one would. And well, so now right. we're, we're writing it's a different. third installment. Yeah, and like we're having a of devil what? of a time. The same. No, no. Now it's like we're going to scrap this story that yeah. we've been doing and try to do a whole new one, and uh, and so we've started writing it, and we're still trying to find Stories it. Stories are a great way for people to get into what you're doing. Yeah, it's like long. You just feel like. Into it the whole time. It's also good, like two man, like you can, like it doesn't get that, like you can trade off, run shit off each other. Like we we tool on each other, and people love like when you're making fun of each other. They love that, like that yeah. smothered brother shit. You know, like they <laughs> love that stuff. And oh, it's, yeah. it's really kind of fun to like mess with each other on stage. Have you have you done anything like that? Like gone up on stage with another guy at the same time? Yeah, uh, Rogan and I used to tell a story about um, the strip club in West Palm Beach about getting a handy. Who got girl. the handy? I got the handy. He was watching me. He watched you get the handy? Or he gave well, you I was like new to all this. I was raised real conservative. Uh-huh. So I, I didn't understand any of this stuff. And my friend told me to, you can just, he, he, he got one from a girl. Right. <laughs> and he then, he was like, you're up. So Joe Rogan has seen you get a hand job? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to. Fear factor. <laughs> I'm going to tweet him. I'm going to direct tweet him t- today and say like, I know that you saw Ari get a, a yeah. hand job. But that was fun to say on stage back and forth. Yeah. Just to go over what was happening from each of our perspectives. That's and fantastic. That, and that's what, that's what we did with the Patrick Swayze thing was mm-hmm. that like Kevin, we were like starstruck by him and then Kevin walked away to, to the, the, you know, the food table yeah. when somebody that, that we were both friends with came up and said, do you want to meet Patrick Swayze? Like, you know, I'm friends with people he's talking to. And Kevin was nowhere to be found. So I got to meet Swayze and Kevin was watching jealously like, holy fucking shit. Because <laughs> he had to go eat. Where's Honey? Where's oh, what? But meanwhile, I'm fucking sucking ass like meeting Patrick Swayze. It's not going well. 
it, it went as badly as it could possibly go. <laughs> I crashed and burned. So like, and now he's dead. Well, we had, you know, we had talked about, we saw him and we listed all the movies. We're like, what would you say to Patrick Swayze? And we were going down the list of the movies, you know, like, like fucking every one of them, you know, Roadhouse, <laughs> yeah. you know, Dirty Dancing, all Point that break. Yeah, what do you say that he hasn't heard, <laughs> but you want to impart something to him, right? right. Yeah. Impress him. Be friends with him. Yeah, so I got up I got up there and got him alone and then like I couldn't remember a single fucking movie. He panicked. Mm-hmm. Totally panicked. <laughs> Choked. Choked. <laughs> Celebrity is so weird. Oh my god. I could do that to mm-hmm. you. Well it's like all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I'm look Patrick Swayze is this far away from me and I've got his undivided attention. He's like, mm-hmm. And it's like you can feel the panic starting to set in, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm not usually like this." Oh. And why am I? Why is this happening here? And I'm like, "Think of a movie. Think of a movie." I'm like, "I can't think of a single fucking movie." And I, I blurted out "Young Blood." You know, tell me about Young Blood. And he was like, uh, "What do you want to know?" <laughs> and I was like, "Anything." Which is you such, just want him to talk. Well, now and it's like you know when somebody comes up and they you know and they freeze in front of you and they say like you know I don't know just say anything to me and mm-hmm. you're like. It's off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> Two seconds later, Vincent Spano, or no, no, I'm sorry, Matt Dillon, mm-hmm. walked in, in between us Yeah. And, like, and got in between us, and it was clear that Swayze had given him the fucking signal. Save me. Yeah, yeah. and Dillon got in between, it was like, excuse me, pal, and, and, like, and got in between us and stayed there, and they just started talking about stuff. And like, I was like, oh, my God. And I turned and fucking walked away and uh, came, came back to Kevin. And Kevin was like, what happened? Tell me everything. Uh, Matt Dillon crying. showed up. <laughs> Can't believe you're talking to Patrick Swayze. Oh, man. Yeah. It was oh, fucking terrible. Man. It was terrible. But so like, so we told, that was the first story we ever did telling. You know, extended ver- like a you yeah, know, yeah, 15 yeah. minute version of it. And you add metaphors in there and fun things. Yeah. And the, the, None the story of continues on. It's the bars. Bars on the window. Yeah. Do you guys have any holiday stories? Holiday story. I, I do this storyteller show like once every so often in LA. I have an Easter story where my dad, um, he's from Argentina, as I've said, and he, I guess they didn't have the deviled egg in Argentina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're too religious there. I don't know. <laughs> the devil. Yeah. Diablo. Yeah. Dios mío, no. You know his father. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he, my mom made some deviled eggs one year and my dad was like hey what is this Gloria and she was like they're deviled eggs and he, like, and he tried he was like mm, that's delicious and he kept eating some and he got we had guests out in the in the living room and then he'd come back and he'd be like hey what is it what are they called again and we'd all be like deviled eggs he'd be like okay and Should my I mom would give him a plate and like takes them out to the, the guests out there and what we found out what was happening was that like my dad would stop in the hallway and like pound <laughs> deviled eggs yeah. and then bring out the rest to the guests. But he kept coming in like one more deviled egg, you know, and like and keep eating them. And about two hours later, we just smelled this fucking shit. Yeah, he must have gotten so sick from all those deviled eggs. He oh was supposed God. to pound those. He like we we had guests over. We had to. He was he took probably a three hour shit. <laughs> And we had to close off and quarantine an area of the house, and it still smelled. And my sister and I would, like, dare each other. We'd hold our nose and be like, run down there, bang on the door of the bathroom, and then run back. And we'd, so we'd run down, like, bang the door, and he'd be like, leave me alone! <laughs> and my stomach hurts. Yeah, and he was just in there. And, and still to this day, we still refer to it just as Easter Sunday. <laughs> What, you also have the um, you have a Christmas story the, oh, the, the Christmas tinsel story. Uh, oh yeah the tinsel story yeah so like okay so then the other one you know we used to do you want to do one of these at a show sure 
the kids were in charge of, of decorating the Christmas tree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, I just... Is he not allowed to say it now? Or should I stop telling him? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I'm trying to think when I'll put this out. <laughs> maybe I'll hold it. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Say uh, it. So, like, we were in charge of throwing the... I'll give you the short version, though. Like, we were in charge of throwing the tinsel on the trees. And, you know, kids, are you just fucking chucking tinsel? Like, making the most garish-looking tree you can. And the low-hanging tinsel, you know, my cat, Princey... Short for Prince Charming. Princey would... Uh, <laughs> my, si- my sister named the two cats Princey and Cindy. Prince Charming and Cinderella. Yeah. That's and you're fun. at what age now? Uh, this was probably like... Um, I don't know. I'm going to say I was like like uh, 11, 12 or something okay. like that. Prince Charming, what was the other one's name? Cinderella. Oh, that's very nice <laughs> names for a cat for you. <laughs> yeah, no, Princey was mine though. Cindy was my okay. sister's cat. Princey was the bad cat and Princey would just fucking eat the tinsel the little hang like just swallow the tinsel and always fucking hack it up into like a little brown tinsel ball like you know this one tinsel actually made it into his body and you know like a week after Christmas you know he wound up like starting to to shit it out yeah and so like there was an inch of tinsel stinking out of his asshole (laughs) (laughs) and so like I was like ah fuck alright I gotta deal with this and so I put on a dishwashing glove and like went to the, t- I started to tug on the tinsel, you know, like st- stretched his little anus out, and I, like I tugged it, and he was like, <laughs> "Where are you? Like you separated his butt?" No, I didn't. No, no, I just I, I just pull, pulled the it. tinsel and started to <laughs> try to slide it out, and he hissed at me. Yeah, and like you know, like really angry, and I was like, "Okay, fuck it," you know, like I'm not going to bother you. I'll just you know, you'll poop it out. But so like every time he pooped, like only a little more tinsel would. We just push it out slightly as the shit went bit. around it. Just a little bit. So like, <laughs> yeah. So like week, weeks went by, and finally this like tinsel was like hanging down to the floor, and from like the litter box, where there, like there were little thin lines like leading away from the litter box where it would like drag when he got out, but nobody wanted to deal. Like with he it. was making a Japanese garden. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You could stare at it and be almost you know tranquil, you know. But like. Finally, one day I, I went and you know I put the glove on and I just grabbed it and yanked it out of there and he hissed at me. But then it was totally. Did you feel it coming through his whole like throat and intestines? <laughs> you could feel the resistance, but then it gave. Yeah, you know, like you just had to be firm and tough with it. I'd be it, worried there was like a knot in there. And you're going to drag his whole anus out if yeah. you pull it too it's fast. Like, oh, it's like a whole skeleton comes out like a Tom and Jerry. <laughs> sure, like a little. Uh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Though. That, that would make this story fantastic. It would. And I pulled the skeleton out of his skin. <laughs> And that's how we lost Princey. Awesome. No, but, he was a blob uh, for a couple of years. We fed him, but he yeah. couldn't move. And then you threw that tinsel on, back on the tree. Yeah. Threw it at the top. <laughs> yeah, what'd you do with the tinsel? <laughs> I ate it. it. I you ate it. it. Yeah. <laughs> See if we'll go down mice. Yeah. Well, but that, okay, so that, that's actually a funny story that happened to Kevin when we were researching Beer Fest. Right, yeah. We, researching yeah. Beer Fest? Well, you know, it's like we, we decided to uh, revisit a lot of the games that we used to play. Oh, right. Researching in, oh, okay. in finger quotes, <laughs> just boozing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we could, we were able to write that off on our taxes. Right, man. Playing quarters. Wow, really? Buying beer, we'd be like, write it off. Right it's off, a fucking dude. research. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Well, we were playing quarters. That's cool. I probably haven't played in years. We played quarters one night as research. Yeah. And uh, I like sunk it, and then I drank the thing, and I swallowed the quarter. Accidentally, it just went shot down my throat. I was like, "Oh!" oh. I was like, they're like, "What?" I was like, "I think I just swallowed the quarter," you know. And they're like, "Ah!" And so, <laughs> no, no sympathy from anybody. No, oh, no. Care because it became into a, it. We were into it. It became a comedy routine. Like if you think about it, it's like the jokes just started flying. Like the the terrible journey that that quarter is going to go on and. It's going to come out of my ass and like George Washington's face. It's going to be like a horror face. <laughs> it's like, like the quarter. Yeah, like, ah. Yeah. And, uh, the things I've seen. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, we, we were we, we were in a waiting. quarter watch, yeah. For two weeks, yeah. And it never, like, just to hear the clink in the bottom of that yeah. toilet, and it never, never heard it. <laughs> nope. I Your never body heard ate it. it. Either it's still in there, or that it was buried in a ball of shit somehow that it didn't Wait, clink what? in the bottom of the toilet. Really? I never found it, never saw it come out. Never ever? Never. I mean, it may have come out. I'm just saying I never saw it come out. We don't know where that quarter is. Whoa. And then after that, like, there was How a, big are your logs usually? I mean, you know, they could probably they could probably take care of a quarter. They could, they could take they a could quarter. Envelop a quarter. Yeah, I mean, you could hold a quarter in those logs. <laughs> probably, but we we had like right after that, there was like a big story in the news about this like dude in France, like some old guy who had been eating change for years, and they ultimately had to like they found like a like pounds of change inside him, and uh, so we figured that I could probably have a lot of change in there, and then we started having riffs of like. Why don't we do this? Like, we'll have me eat quarters or whatever, various things to change, and then we'll sell it on eBay and say that it's traveled through me. I have to think that that quarter that went through your body, <clears throat> the Beer Fest quarter, could fetch a, a, a fancy sum. Probably. Especially if it came out like 20 years later. Oh, yeah. Here's the quarter I swallowed back when we were... Yeah, you leave, if you don't wash it off, too, just leave it in a plastic right, bag covered in yeah. pieces that you couldn't... Yeah. Fall off. It's like, you know, when they bring up the stuff from the Titanic and it's all, you know, you've got like an expert, like, covered in barnacles. Yeah. It's got a green film on it or whatever it has. Yeah, on probably it. pretty similar. Yeah. But you need, to, you need to become a massive movie star for it to be valuable. Yeah. Well, just how valuable? Like, if I, I could sell the quarter for like 30 cents, I bet now. But, like, if I'm really famous, you could at least get 10 like bucks, two bucks for it. For it. Yeah. What are you going to get? Oh, money for her? Oh, that's fine. Um, and then so whatever in Beer Fest though we we wrote that story into Beer Fest yeah and uh, and uh, we were gonna we were gonna we were gonna do a scene where that happens and where somebody shits out a where quarter, somebody shits a quarter and then like the George Washington face is like ah yeah. and so the props guy built that quarter he built like a giant quarter that looked exactly like a quarter with George Washington's face screaming and so it seemed like a close up of it yeah and so we could yeah. shoot the close up of the quarter and then. Uh, we end up cutting the scene. Oh. But that quarter's still somewhere. Somebody that's has a cool it. way to research. Just drink and say, like, whatever comes up during drinking, that's our drinking scenes. Yeah. Wow. Or, like, you know, we sat around and talked about, like, the idea, you know, like, the th- things that had happened to you when you did, you know, when drink, you were drinking. drinking or, like, passed out. Where'd you pass out? Or Those games were fun in college. Yeah. Asshole and all the... But that, that's where the whole idea for Beavis came from. It was like, let's make an Olympics of those games. Of all that stuff. Yeah, and see... How that goes Yeah What's up fellas What's up man How's it going Sorry about that How often is your maid come your- um, I like to refer to as uh, um, My Estate manager <laughs> Nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, Once every two weeks Oh really That's mm-hmm. good And she just cleans And takes care of the kid And just does shit Well she doesn't Take care of the child But we have a A nanny who comes To take care of the child So you, you oh, met nice. the nanny yeah. Ari asked me if, uh, if, the, if the nanny was my wife You look so white Oh I well. As soon as he said his name was Carlos, I was like, "Well, it's got to be his wife." That's the mom. Yeah. Well, my my wife is Cuban. Okay. Uh, she's from Miami. She's half Cuban, actually, half Cuban, half British. Uh, but she's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh. And so, like, it, she's the only light one in the family. Like everybody else has dark hair and dark eyes. Somehow, she just has blue eyes and 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 dirty blonde hair. But so so, Carlos is he's got green eyes, and dirty blonde hair. So people like when we tell people his name is Carlos. 
they usually like laugh and they're like, <laughs> "What's his real name?" Seriously, I assumed you were um, trying to think of a cool name. Like, well, we're in Southern California. We should embrace the yeah the culture here. We've named him Giuseppe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, well, that's the other that's thing. Never around that yeah. name. Yeah, Giuseppe. Well, if your dad was Giuseppe. I would have named him Giuseppe. Sure. And people it's a very him, simple thing. You named you could have your dad. Your dad's name was Carlos? Yeah. yeah, and that's my middle name, Carlos. Really? Yeah. Wow, Latin people are fucking weird with that shit. But how so? Oh, you mean the honor of, like, keep it a name. But isn't the same way, or Ari, isn't that like a... Yeah, you, in Judaism, you name it after somebody who just died. Okay, okay. somebody just dies, and you get their name. Then you get their name. Okay. Yeah. So who was... But nobody it? that's still alive. They don't do it still alive. Who I was your my Ari? father's grandfather. Okay. He died and you were born and you took his name. Yeah, he might have died like a long time before and that. Do you have like a lot of his attributes? I don't know anything about him. What? Why not? You're probably a big guy. stoner. <laughs> like to fuck right. 20-year-olds. Stand-up comic. Probably like that. Got hand jobs in strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. Stand-up comic at the Catskills. God, my parents are embarrassed about me. All right, everybody. That was the first part of uh, Skeptic Tank 93. I'll have the second part. Let's say the day after Christmas, right? Or do people listen? Do people want to listen on Christmas? Should I go the 24th and 25th? Um, maybe. I can see people listening on Christmas. Or maybe when they get back to work on the 26th. That seems right. Well, let me know. If enough people tell me to release it immediately, then I will. Otherwise, on the 26th. I'll just bookend. Crocksmere. That's, by the way, that's my dad called Christmas because he wouldn't say the, wor- the word Christ when they grew up in uh, Romania. Um, so he called it Crocksmere. Croch instead of, um, instead of um, Christ and Schmear instead of Smith. Um, all right, guys, that's the episode. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate it. Don't forget, go to gamefly.com slash Ari or go to, if you're going to shop for Amazon, shop through my website. Um, uh, go to AriTheGreat.com, click on the Amazon link and then it takes you to Amazon and then do all your shopping. They give me like a percentage back from their cut, like five, six percent um, back from their cut or maybe from, from a total, but it, you don't pay anything extra. I think maybe total. Like if you spend a hundred bucks, I think I got like five or six dollars. So try to remember I forget sometimes, but I, I've, this is what I've done. I've bookmarked Amazon as my site, as AriTheGreat.com. So go to AriTheGreat.com, bookmark it, and then save it as Amazon. So every time you go to Amazon, click on the bookmark, it'll take you to my site, and then you can help support my podcast. So um, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is my favorite Christmas song, so that's why I'm... Oh, now Steve Simone calls. Now he calls. How is church, church boy? How was church, church boy? Did you record that 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 game? The what? Did you record the cowboy game? No, I didn't. Damn it! I was it. recording it. I turned it off because I thought you were watching. Fuck! It. I just got out of church. I didn't know what happened. Oh. Where are you? I was gonna watch the first half and then come over. Oh, dude! I didn't know. Oh. I didn't know. All right, I will be right there. Are you still at my place? Yeah, I'm outside your place. Okay, I'll be right there. I'll be there in five minutes. I'm so sorry. I'll be right there. Fucking church.
Damn it! Sports! There's no way I'm going to be able to walk. You can't go back on TiVo. Fuck! I'm sitting here like an idiot. I could listen on the radio. Balls. Well, I'll just root for the Giants to lose. Um, all right, you guys. God damn it. Sports hurts my heart. And why did Nick Swisher sign away from the Yankees? All right, you guys. Um, that's the episode. Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank, episode, I don't know, 93. Motherfucker. Wasn't 93 the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl? <sighs> so pissed. All right, whatever. I'll get over it. Breathe, breathe, then let it roll off your back. Who goes to church? Two days before Christmas. I guess that's when you do go. Whatever. Uh, all right, you guys. That's it. Um, if you guys are coming to my um, my uh, special taping, I'll see you then. Giant smoke party after the second show. Um, if you come to the first show, stay for the second and just and just uh, hang out and have drinks in the outside bar and then kind of watch. We're we're gonna broadcast it over the loudspeaker so you can watch through the window um, at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. Um, on the 28th. And that's it, you guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Support this podcast. Continue with it. Uh, press whatever's. Uh, what are they called? When you subscribe to stuff? Subscribe. And uh, that's it. And also, if you want extra details from the podcast, like I put up like all the music, like videos of the music and extra details, if I remember stuff we talked about, uh, I put it up on the website. If you guys listen to the podcast early, in general, not just this week, but in general, and you hear a um some huge detail something we talked about some awesome video that we talked about that i didn't put up on the website just remind me real quick and i'll quickly put it up on my website if i can get it done that first day anytime on monday um i'll put it up and also if you're new to this i put these out every single monday so there'll be one out next week too Uh, but part b will be out in a day or two so, thank you very much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Ari Shapiro, Skeptic Tank, episode 93, part A, Noobs, with uh, Steve Lemmy and Kevin Heffernan. Peanuts is